Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Check this out. On the weekend, take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. I'd like to be able to... Anyway. I'm... My mind's going blank now. What's happening? What, what, I can't remember. My mind's going blank now. What are you talking about? What the hell's going on here? Where the hell are My mind's going blank now. I can't remember. I don't know what the hell he's talking about. What am I doing here? My mind's going blank now. Where am I heading? I keep forgetting I'm president. Where am I? No idea. I don't think as... Recognize Dr. John John King King song King that song. I can't get this My mind's going blank now. What's happening? What, what, I can't remember. Please track. My mind's going blank now. What are you talking about? What else going on here? Where the hell My mind's going blank now. I can't remember. I don't know what the hell he's talking about. What am I doing here? My mind's going blank now. Where am I heading? I keep forgetting I'm president. Where am I? No idea. No idea. So good. We got to spin it twice here. Broadway Bill Lee. This is a top 40 song in clubs across America. Put aside your political differences and the polarization that has affected our nation. Those who are Republican, those who are Democrat, those who have decided that it may well come down to another battle. Like 2020 between the impaired Joe Biden and the indicted Donald Trump. But this song, I think, epitomizes it all, even though it is a number one dance song in America in many clubs. And not just those that are MAGA clubs. Let me hear it, Broadway Bill Lee. Let's crank it up. Yeah. My mind's going blank now. What's happening? I can't remember. Till the break of dawn, nobody's going to sleep. Oh no, oh no. My mind's going blank now. I can't remember. I don't know what the hell he's talking about. What am I doing here? My mind's going blank now. Where am I heading? I keep forgetting I'm president. Where am I? No idea. No idea. No idea. Oh, great, great. Let me ask, don't, don't worry about the music here, Broadway Billy. You're getting a little frisky there on the vinyl there. I know you want to spin those stacks of wax. Just like you do at WCBS-FM during the week with your very dear friend and partner, Joe Causey. Even though you've left your longtime friend, Warner Wolf, down in Lee County, Fort Myers, in that condo complex that is now occupied 
by Canadians playing shuffleboard with the maple leaf flying high in the sky. We'll talk about that later on. The orange haze, l'orange, that will once again be descending upon this great country of ours. But I want to start the program by asking what the hell President Joe Biden meant earlier today when he delivered these remarks before a Connecticut crowd at the University of Connecticut, the Huskies, in which he was promoting. Well, actually, it was hard to know what the hell he was promoting. But ultimately, overall, gun control, removal of high-powered weaponry, assault rifles, AK-47s, AR-15s, you know, we can go down the line. But it is so important that at times we have to act as if we are archaeologists. And then we're looking at the tombs in uh, London, excuse me, outside of Cairo in the sands of Egypt. And that we're trying to actually interpret what the hieroglyphics mean. For many, many years, there were men of great learning who would go into the sands of Egypt and try to interpret the hieroglyphics. And that became a major difficult thing to do. But I think almost as difficult it is trying to bisect and dissect what the President of the United States is saying. And I'm going to give you all an opportunity. As once again, he caused mass confusion in his audience and ended his speech about gun control, banning automatic weapons, assault rifles, with God Save the Queen. If you can cue it up and play it there, Broadway Bill Lee, the President of the United States, finishing up his speech earlier on Friday at the University of Connecticut, wanting to be a Husky with the phrase... God save the queen. And if you can see the camera, they can see you. And uh, it's the least consequential part of this whole meeting for you. I promise. All right. God save the queen, man. And he dropped the mic. Before we play any music here, hold on, hold on, Broadway Billy. You're getting ahead of yourself. You brought your A-plus game this morning. I appreciate that because sometimes you haven't even taken a vitamin C, and it's obvious. Get down there and C-D area. I cannot for the life of me understand what the hell he was talking about. The speech at the University of Connecticut amongst the Huskies was talking about gun control, his pursuit of banning assault weapons, again, AR-15s, AK-47s, long rifles, whatever you want to call them. I do not understand why the hell he would end his speech by saying the words, God save the queen, and then dropping the mic as if he were a rapper on the stage or as if all of a sudden, He were a comedian like Dave Chappelle. I would so like some of you out there 
Hearing this broadcast, of 50,000 powerful watts of sound emanating from our Tower of Power there in Lodi, New Jersey. Right below it is Satin Dolls. Uh, right from the uh, scripts of the Sopranos TV series itself, called Bada Bing. This is the most powerful radio station in the world, bar none. Heard now, when it is dusk, in 38 states, parts of Canada, a sliver of Europe, and right on down to Davy Jones's locker. But in addition, with the modern technology of an app, Easily downloaded into your iPhone or smartphone. And I know there are a lot of you listening. You've got your parents. They're up there in years. They may have their first iPhone or smartphone. Just the next time you visit them, download the app for them. So they can listen to the radio no matter where they go. Recently uh, at the birthday party of Jersey uh, Joe. Jersey Joe, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, who does the um, Sinatra two-hour extravaganza, now a nationally syndicated show. Hoboken Mary was talking with our couple de tutte, Chad Lopez, who is the president of operations of our parent company, Red Apple Media. And uh, it's so interesting because Chad Lopez explained to Hoboken Mary who is a, a a true, true groupie of the Frank Sinatra show, put on Jersey Joe. She said, well, I can't always listen to it when I'm on the go. And Chad immediately said, do you have a iPhone, a smartphone? Hoboken Mary said yes. And so while she was inside celebrating the birthday of Jersey Joe Piscopo, Chad simply went outside and within a matter of no time at all, at all, downloaded the WABC app. And now Hoboken Mary can listen to WABC, all the shows other than the Frank Sinatra two-hour extravaganza that is now a nationally syndicated show sponsored by Ramsey Mazda. She can listen to it before she gets on that bus and loses all of her money at the slots in Atlantic City. I don't know if she goes to the Trop. I doubt if she goes to the Borgata. And then uh, hooks up with Frank Morano, who's shooting craps. That's all he wants to do in life, shoot craps at the Borgata, and snore everything free at AC. But you have an opportunity at listening to it crystal clear all over the world. Other than Antarctica, where I don't know if the walruses or the penguins can listen. And then, of course, you have the stream on your laptop computer, your worktop computer, crystal clear all over the world. So once again, I ask all of you to try to interpret what the President of the United States said earlier at the University of Connecticut to all the Huskies, which he was talking about gun control, removing assault weapons, banning the sale of assault weapons, and then finished up his statements by saying, God save the queen. And if you can see the camera, they can see you. And uh, it's the least consequential part of this whole meeting for you. I promise. All right. God save the queen, man. Now, uh, could I he actually hear 
the rendition of God Save the Queen. Although now they've had to change it. Back to God Save the King. Can, can we hear that? Maybe somebody can give me an interpretation of what the hell the president was talking about. And also, uh, what is, in fact, the English National Anthem? Because I don't think I've ever heard it in the many times that I've been in England, organizing Guardian Angels as I have in London, up in the uh, uh, oh, Basel Heath, uh, in Birmingham. My visits to Manchester, the Moss Side. I mean, uh, is this the national anthem of uh, Great Britain, the UK? I, I, I don't think so. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. The question is, why the hell would he say something like that? I realize he says a lot of crazy things. But in honor of Gay Pride uh, Month, and with all the new uh, terminology that is being used by the politically correct, would you have to change the pronouns of the king of the queen to he, she, they? Although there have been a lot of freaky-deaky kings and queens over the years in the U.K. Let me read the words to all of you as difficult as this is for me because I really hate the royalty. I really hate the Brits. God save our gracious king. Long live our noble king. God save the king. Send him a victorious, happy and glorious. Long to reign over us. God save the queen. Oh, Lord, our God, arise. Scatter the enemies and make them fall. Didn't happen in our American revolution. We won. Confound their politics. Frustrate their knavish tricks. What the hell does knavish tricks mean? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. On thee are hopes we fix. God save us all. Thy choices, gifts in store. Is that in Target? I thought they're not buying products from Target anymore, Target, because of the boycott. On him be pleased to pour. Long may he reign. Ixnay on that. May he defend our laws. What, the Magna Carta? And ever give us cause to sing with heart and voice, God save the king. Gee, is it masculine pronouns, feminine equivalents, or do they have to use they, non-binary, you know, to fit all the new terminology? I don't know. I'm so confused with all the gender identification Sexual choices and preferences that have to be worked into the explanation. I ask all of you, what the hell? Can I hear that one more time, Broadway Billy? President of the United States finishing his earlier remarks about gun control. Banning assault weapons in uh, at the University of Connecticut. And then drops the mic like he's Dave Chappelle or a rapper. And says the following. And if you can see the camera, they can see you. And uh, it's the least consequential part of this whole meeting for you. I promise. All right. God save the queen, man. The hell is he talking about? And why are they cheering? We had a freaking revolution. 
Connecticut was in the forefront of the revolution. I can't say that about New York City. We actually were treacherous and traitors and supported the royalty. Not so Connecticut, obviously. Not so the folks in Rhode Island and especially in Massachusetts. They led the rebellion. What the hell is that about? I mean, I don't even think you can equate that to dementia, Alzheimer's. Just not knowing where the hell he is. Maybe thinking he's at uh, Tower of London, Church of England, maybe in uh, Abbey Road, right? Maybe having a flashback to his first Beatles album. I have no idea. He's like wigging out. Let's go to Maura, who's already calling from Illinois, the land of Lincoln. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Maura. Thank you, Curtis. Uh, One thing, uh, when you were talking, I thought maybe it's more like the sex pistols. God save the queen, we mean it, man. But more to the point, maybe a little Alzheimer's. Maybe doesn't remember that uh, Elizabeth uh, died last year and Charles was crowned. Very good. Very Very cogent of you. He might still think... The Queen Elizabeth is in charge. Very cogent of you. What do you, Thank th- you. What do you think, though, this is the result of? This isn't like dementia or Alzheimer's. This is sort of like not recognizing where you are and understanding your timeline. I, I, it's something different than just dementia or Alzheimer's itself. Yeah, it's like he's on the wrong frequency or something, Curtis, and he tries to tune in and he just can't quite do it. I don't and by know the way, if they do, it. that means not a joke, everybody. That's why we were defeated in, in 2018 when they tried to do it. We went to 54 states. Uh, yeah, 54 states, more. It's painful, Curtis. It's just painful to listen to. And and you, he knew these facts at some point. But I don't know what it, what is your theory? I'm curious. I, you know, I'm so used to these uh, uh, spoonerisms, malaprops, uh, fractured phrases, uh, misstatements, whatever the White House uh, press secretary calls them or his uh, inner sanctum, is that we've sort of like just accepted it. Isn't this weird? Like years ago, if, a president would have this, a misstep uh, in his statement. It would become major news all day long, and White House would have to clean it up. I think even they've given up trying to clean up what Joe Biden says more. I think that they've realized that it's futile. It's sort of like this if it's rolling the, uh, the stone up the mountain um, and getting squished on the way back and having to do the whole thing all the way over again. You know how much we're going to do with the deficit this year? God bless you all, and may God protect our troops. Sheesh. God God save the queen. (laughs) What the hell is that? And and our troops. Well, that's a beautiful thing. I am a veteran, but shucks. Uh, See that? That proves you're from Illinois. I haven't heard shucks in a month of Sundays. Want to know why I'm saying it? It's because I'm on the air and I didn't know whether you had the time delay or not. I just moved here from Jersey. Oh, now which part of Illinois? I live in Champaign. Oh, Champaign. That's uh, right by Springfield, right? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, it's um, 
we're actually closer to Indiana. It's um, 130 miles uh, south of Chicago, um, pretty much a straight shot that way, and we are considered east central Illinois. I'm still sort of getting used to it, to be honest with you. Did you come there to go to the University of Illinois? Uh, no, actually. Um, I couldn't swing living in New Jersey anymore. Uh, I was working full-time. I was working overtime. And forget about it. Uh, so I'm one of those economic migrants that people talk about. But uh, as stands right now, um, I've got uh, lines out for a few opportunities here. Um, things are looking quite good. It's a very livable place. And uh, I could not be happier. It's uh, it's a load off of my mind. If need be, I'll put in for early retirement. I've uh, I've paid my dues. Maura, as uh, you were leaving, you know your former governor, half in the bag, Murphy, always smashed, uh, basically said, tough nuggies, you know, either pay your taxes or leave. We don't care. Yeah, I heard that, and I actually listened. It just took me about a year and a half to find the right place. And many more, like yourself, Maura, are listening throughout New Jersey from Hudson County down to Camden County, and this 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 governor, term limited, thank God, who's always smashed. Every public appearance, his eyes are rolling in the back of his head, always says that same thing. It's like, hey, if you want to leave tough nuggets, you either pay your taxes or get the hell out of here. And like yourself, people are joining that exit. It says they are out of New York, Connecticut, and eastern Pennsylvania. You know, Curtis, um, we do what we must, you know, and if uh, my governor wants to sound like a badass, uh, he can go for it, you know. But people do listen. People do pay attention. The only questions I've gotten from people is, why didn't you go down to Florida? Why didn't you go down to Texas? Why did you go down to South Carolina? What are you thinking about the Midwest? <laughs> well, not, that, not that, that, that was what I was thinking with all the opportunities to move, especially the state's. With no income tax, like a Florida, like a Tennessee, like some other states. Uh, Illinois, very liberal, very progressive. They have a governor there, billionaire Democrat, wants to be president one day over my dead body. He he instituted no cash bail. Uh, he supports uh, what's going on in Chicago with a new socialist uh, mayor there. So, yeah, why did you choose Illinois as opposed to going south of the Mason-Dixon line? Um, Curtis, I've had heat stroke five times um, where I needed to get the saline and everything else. I can't. My body just can't handle it. Every time that it has happened to me, it has been more severe. The onset has been quicker. You know, you stop sweating and you get the headache, and it's very, very frightening. Here in the Midwest, I don't have to worry about the extreme heat that I can't take. I can take the four seasons. And um, ironically, um, it appears Illinois may be the uh, New Jersey of the Middle West, <laughs> from what I'm hearing from people. So that may have been part of the appeal as well. Well, that is interesting. My wife, Nancy, uh, basically has the same problem. Uh, she cannot take the heat. She cannot take the sun. She almost has heat stroke when she's out in the uh, uh, hot weather for too long. The humidity also gets her. This isn't the dry heat uh, that you would get in other parts of the country. It's the humidity. So, yeah, no, no, I, I never factored that in. A lot of people, they, their body stops sweating, which becomes extraordinarily dangerous. 
because then you can faint, you can stroke out, and any number of bad things can happen to you that we just, we don't even think about as long as you can schwitz. Exactly, you know, and and, and for, for what it's worth, um, I, I, I admire Nancy, your wife, so much. I do listen to you, what you both, you're just wonderful. Um, if anything happens, tannic acid, okay, you can get some um, iced tea, and you can put it on her skin. It will help reduce her body temperature. She can do the same thing for herself um, as well. It really does help. That helped me the first time out. Now, does it um, doesn't it matter? Doesn't matter what kind of iced tea. Uh, uh, does it could it be a ninety nine cent can, a tall boy of Arizona iced tea, or does it have to be uh, Lipton uh, or Tetley tea that you brewed yourself? Curtis, when it happened to me, I was in a small town called Eola, Texas. She just grabbed the first tea that she could get and threw me into the shower and threw it all over me. So I have no idea. So even if it was Snapple iced tea and threw it all over you, you think that would work? Hey, it worked for me, you know. She managed to get me to the medic, and they managed to uh, to take care of me. Wow. And then and now, you see, that, that makes sense. I mean, at first, going from New Jersey... Going to Illinois is like going to another Jersey, except it's bigger. It's got a billionaire governor who is uh, might as well be a socialist, uh, supports the socialist mayor just elected to replace uh, Lightfoot, Lightweight, whatever her name is, Beetlejuice in Chicago. So, boy, that makes sense. Medically, you had to go to Illinois. You couldn't go where you would normally spitz. You'd be hot. There's humidity or dry heat. Well, thank you. Thank you for explaining that more, because I got to tell you, I think I and a lot of listeners were perplexed in saying you went to the land of Lincoln, although are you aware, Maura, as a new resident of Illinois, that Abraham Lincoln was not born and raised in Illinois? Are you aware of that? I am indeed. Um, I know he went to Springfield um, later in his life to set up a law practice and to set up his uh, professional life. Uh, I'm cool with it. You know, listen, um, I'm from Jersey, okay? There's not too much more you can say to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's pretty much all you can say. Yeah, man, I was like, you left Jersey Murphy smashed mayor, excuse me, governor all the time, telling people, you don't want to pay your taxes. Get the hell out of here. We don't need you. So many other choices. Ah, makes sense. Medically, the heat can't schwitz, overheats the body, could stroke out. Yeah, yeah, now that makes sense. And I can identify with more because oftentimes that's when my wife Nancy goes through. It's too hot outside. The rays of the sun are two, two, almost like uh, x-rays. And she has to retreat. She has to get back inside. Uh, all of a sudden, she's like red as a beet. And you think like the next stop is she's going to be a bowl of borscht, cold. At that point, she'd like to feel like a bowl of cold borscht because she is so overheated. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's another side of midnight. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Let's go, Brandon. I keep it drawn like I'm the can. Hey, hey, let's go, Brandon. Pan in the game, real days is pan. Hey, Brandon, let's go, Brandon. You ask questions, they start pan. Hey, hey, let's go, Brandon. Hey, hey, let's go, Brandon. Hey, hey, let's go, Brandon. I keep it drawn like I'm the can. Let's go, Brandon, which is the clean way of saying F. Joe Biden. It is a classic. And if I remember listening to Rita Cosby's show that preceded this, she had a transgender call up who said that she showed up at a gay pride parade with her Let's Go, Brandon shirt on. To say the least, she wasn't well-received. But in a maggot crowd, they would say, F. Joe Biden. Let me hear that. Let me hear that. It is. I mean, he doesn't know he's alive. It's a top 40 hit across the nation. Yes, so between my mind's going blank to the words of Joe Biden's fractured phrases and this classic dance song, Let's Go Brandon, they're both in the top 40. Even Democrats get up on the dance floor and dance to these songs, oblivious to its political connotations, of course. But the reason we're talking about Uncle Joe Biden, he is like our crazy uncle that you knew you had to deal with Christmas time, Thanksgiving, New Year's, maybe Easter, maybe other religious holidays or family occasions, funerals, weddings, etc. But what he said earlier on Friday at the end of his speech about wanting to ban assault rifles at the University of Connecticut, dropping his mic the way a rapper does or like Dave Chappelle does when he does his comedy show. It's mind-boggling. And if you can see the camera, they can see you. And uh, it's the least consequential part of this whole meeting for you. I promise. All right. God save the queen, man. And they're applauding. They're giddy. It's like, (laughs) what is, Biden have groupies wearing the pens? What the hell was that? 
By the way, uh, who is that actress that Joe Biden was fondling the other day in an embrace in public in which got a little frisky with his hands? And by the way, who was that actress at one time married to? Little little Curtis Lee with super spectacular trivia here. 1-800-848-9222. Let me tell you something. He was doing a Cuomo on this uh, actress. And um, he can't blame it on his Italian cultural heritage like Andrew Evilized Cuomo uh, does. Having to now sit to a deposition about how he fondled and felt up a female state trooper. Good luck, Andrew. I know you're listening out there on our fe- on our FM affiliate. FM standing for feeble-minded, fornicating madly. Uh, free marijuana and, of course, Frank Morano. He's listening on WLIR. He's got to sit to a deposition. In which he's got to answer the questions, why did you have your hands all over the breasts and the back of your female state trooper? And what is he going to blame? Well, you know, it's my uh, Italian identity. You know, it's part of the culture. You're despicable. You're sfacine. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to uh, Ron calling all the way from Michigan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Ron. Hello, Curtis. Curtis, before I get to Joe Biden, and, and I'll uh, <clears throat> tell you what he meant by the Queen, our greatest president, FDR, was a cripple in a wheelchair. He had to be supported by his sons or others when he when he made the appearance of standing up tall. And with that crippledness, he defeated the Nazis. He defeated the fascists in this country. Okay, so let's let's have a little uh, flag waving for cripples in, in the White House. Now, as far as what Joe meant when he said, God bless the queens, he was referring, in my opinion, to the drag queens, which I, I'm not in favor of, but drag queening goes back. Jefferson Davis, president of the Civil of the, of the Republic, Republic the, the fascist Confederate scum, when he was leaving uh, after he lost the war, he dressed up as a woman in drag to try and get the Confederate gold out of out of the uh, United States into Mexico to keep the the, uh, the Confederacy going, okay? So drag queening in this country goes back. The, the Three Stooges dressed in drag, Belt Earl dressed in drag, you know, all this. You know, I'm not in favor of shoving this drag down children's throats, but what Joe was referring to is God bless the drag queens, which I do not agree with, but the drag queens vote Democratic, and anything to defeat the republic scum, plain and simple, in my opinion. Well, wait a second. That is an outstanding observation, uh, Ron. Uh, want to play that cut again of the president. Might well be, because remember, he just came from that transgender celebration mm-hmm. at the White House uh, this past Saturday in which uh, they were flashing their mammary glands, and he was getting a bit excited. Uh <laughs> Uh, let me play that cut. There may be merit to your conclusion. God save the queen, man. Yep. Yeah, I heard that. God save the queens. I heard that. And, and he wasn't referring to the borough of Queens. Wow, Ron, that was very astute of you. Curtis, let me be your analyst. I'm always available. This is great. We go from Illinois to Michigan. That's why... Without a doubt, this is a national and global show. 
without having it syndicated. That's the power of WABC. Now, Frank Morano, the worst side of the other side of midnight that you can hear Monday through Friday, 1 to 5, he actually has a national syndicated show with uh, affiliates across the nation, one in Baltimore that I recently appeared on. And yes, Broadway Billy, I slammed Frank Morano on his affiliate in Baltimore. In Body Bag City. Oh, my God, they'll never have me back on that affiliate, that's for sure. Uh, but Frank Morano was all upset. Oh, how could you, you know, slamming me on WABC is one thing, Curtis. But going into one of my affiliates in Baltimore and slamming me in that audience. Oh, my God. You are a real lowlife. You see, he actually said that. But you know something, Frank, tough noogies, because later on, in advance of June 19th, the anniversary, when Frank's friends tried to kill me, the Gaudis, and I survived uh, five uh, hollow point bullets. Curtis to- should stay out of taxis. Yeah, you look at that, right? He had a conversation with E. Frank, and people said, wow, he was defending you. And it turned out he wasn't defending me. He was attacking my very dear friend, E. Frank from Astoria, longtime listener at WABC that recently I saw at a 114th Precinct Council meeting. He was defending law and order and defending me against the scurrilous remarks of the supporters of AOC, all our crazy Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and her mini-me's, Tiffany Caban, who not only want the police defunded, they want to remove the police. I salute E. Frank, and I condemn Frank Morano, friend of the Gottis. We'll get into that later on. And, um, you know, I, uh, I, 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 you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and you know something? Frank Morano does what I call Barney talk. When we come back, I want to explain some of that. It's done by some of our fellow colleagues here. They love everybody. They love people that are like Drek uh, on the bottom of your shoes. They say, oh, I love you. I love you. You love me. It's Barney talk. That's exactly what Frank Morano does from time to time. And other hosts and hostesses here at WABC. And still, what the hell was the president talking about? Dropping the mic like a rapper like Dave Chappelle, looking at the audience and saying, God save the Queens. Well, Ron, there in Michigan, was correct. He probably was referring to those drag queens who did a Brumsky on him. You notice how they immediately removed uh, their uh, chemise, flashed their newly created boobs for them. You know, what do you call that? The uh, celluloid, the um, uh, cellulite, I don't know. Whatever they use artificially to create mammary glands. And he was getting all excited. Until somebody said, they're fake. It's a guy. To me, it's a girl. And by the way, nobody answered the question of who he recently fondled on stage before the eyes of his adoring sickle fans, toadies and lackeys and groupies. An actress originally married to a uh, former NBA All-Star. What actress am I talking about that he wouldn't keep his hands off of? And who is that former NBA star that she was married to? Let's get that trivia line going at 1-800-848-9222. It's another side of midnight, 77 WABC. 
This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. I love you. You love me. We're a happy family with a great big hug and a kiss from me to you. Won't you say you love me too? Uh, I hate this. I think it came out in about 1993, the Purple Dinosaur. And I was forced to watch it. My oldest son was growing up, Anthony. And then Carter, my middle son, and then Hunter, my youngest son. And we're on the cusp of Father's Day Sunday. I will profess to all of you that every time I was forced to watch that, I wanted to get a sawed-off shotgun, cock it, and shoot that purple monster. Oh, did I hate Barney. And, you know, there are a lot of our uh, colleagues here who do Barney talk, especially Frank Morano. Oh, I, I respect you. I respect your right to attack Curtis uh, to disparage Curtis, I respect your right to say it. Well, what is this nonsense, right? Yeah, to you too, Frank. God. Anyway, uh, let's go to uh, Joe. Giuseppe in Queens, your turn to be heard here at WABC, Giuseppe. Hi, Curtis. Good evening. Um, <clears throat> you can't always just criticize Joe Biden. Um, he spoke today at the University of Connecticut. That's UConn's. The Huskies, the females, are probably the best basketball team. And the development director is named Queen Vaz de Jassy. Wow. Now so that when, is when they nuanced. Cheered, okay. When they cheered him afterwards, they were cheering him for recognizing their boss, in a sense. So let me get this straight. The coach is named Queen. No, not the coach. I didn't say that. The development director. Now, the is, director. is the development director a he, she, or they? I have no idea. All I know is the name is Queen. I would think if it's the girls' basketball, it's a female. Hmm. So... God save the queen, man. So like, uh, so the Queen Latifah. Well, you know what Queen Latifah is. Yeah, well, she doesn't like guys. Uh, I found that she the, doesn't the, like guys, the right? hard way. Yeah, did you know that in the year 2000, I was named the annual King Neptune of the Mermaid Day Parade, which is taking place tomorrow in Coney Island, and Queen Latifah, the real Queen Latifah, was my queen. And, uh, you know, I, I thought we had the urge to merge, but she looked at me and it was sort of like, see you later, alligator. You know, not my gender identification. Well, well what are you talking about, Queen Latifah? So, so well, I, I, I think I get the drift of what Giuseppe is talking about. Promise. All right. God save the queen, man. Did he mean Queen Latifah, who dissed and dismissed me by refusing uh, my overtures, claiming 
It's not the route I go, Curtis. I don't need a king. I need another queen. And I certainly wasn't going to get transgender surgery at that point. Um, Let's just say the process was not too refined at that time. It basically came in with a butcher's knife and separated you from your three-piece set. I'm not talking about the knife, the spoon, and the fork. Anyway, let's go to Donna in Queens. Your turn to be heard on WABC, Donna. Hiya, Curtis. Um, I've been listening to you for like months and months and months and months, and I really enjoy uh, all your shows. Um, The actress that he fondled on on, uh, was Eva Longoria, I believe. Yes, very hot to trot. Very hot to, and he wouldn't get his hands off of her. He was right under her breast. I, I couldn't believe it. I saw it. Everybody saw it. Yeah, and Aid had to come over and extricate her, uh, him from her mammary gland. He wouldn't let go. <laughs> he was like palming it like it was a basketball. It, it was just too much, too much. God. Now, now, second part of that trivia question is uh, oh. Eva Longaria was married to a very prominent basketball player. I, she had his name tattooed on the back of her neck. Oh, uh, his, his, his number. I, I think his name was with the P, like a Phil or something. I really mm. don't. I can't mm. recall it. Oh, so you, you don't remember it was what a that short marriage. It, you, it was, you, oh, yeah, very short. You, you don't remember what the tat was. Uh, well, at least she had it on her neck like a giraffe has and not a tramp stamp. You know what a tramp stamp is. Oh, yeah, that goes uh, behind at your waist, above your ass crack. Exactly. (laughs) And to any women who have tram stamps, now is the time. Now is the time to go for laser removal, or you will be thought of in perpetuity as a putan. (laughs) Am I right or wrong about that, Donna? Uh. That that was big like ten years ago. They're not they're not tattooing no, that area but, but anymore. Understand that a lot of men. Let's say if the woman, well, God, now you never know. Maybe they're interested in transgenders. Maybe they're interested in non-binary other women. Who knows? But they might look upon that tramp stamp as a signal that that is a a, a, a green light. A woman who would be very, very much a free agent. Let's just leave it at that. Not necessarily, Curtis. Not necessarily. Or very, very Greek. (laughs) No. Well, I don't know. I I would just suggest if there are any women listening out there and any men, because apparently there were some men who had tramp stamps. Uh, wow, that's freaky deaky out there in Cherry Grove on Fire Island. Maybe the time to have laser removal is now. Really. And by the way, if you are an observant Jew or an observant Muslim, you cannot be bar- buried in, yes, your, yes. in your religious cemetery with any kind of a tat or a tattoo. Right, right. Now, now I'm just trying to help the world. Before they become ashes to ashes. How's Nancy? I I look forward to your program tomorrow night. I can assure you that she has no tattoos. (laughs) 
I can assure you she has no tattoos. Now, she's had a little tough time of it medically, a few coronary issues. She's got to go for the old stress test, you know, on the, uh, the, uh, what do you call that, a runway or whatever the hell it is, treadmill. Uh, Heart beating uh, el rapido. I thought it was because of my proximity to her that her heart was going ka-thunk, 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 but I was wrong. and uh, we'll see if we can get her back on track medically, but she has not stopped working to do the deep dig oh. on exposing all the corruption that is all around us. She has done a magnificent job in doing that deep dig. She's now focused on the one and a half billion dollars stolen by Comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope oh, from Park Slope, yeah. and his wife, Charlene, who is smoking ropes of dope. Uh, on the back porch of Gracie Mansion for the eight years that they ruined our city and oh, I know, took I know. one and a half billion dollars. I know. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I am doing a PSA. I should do a PSA at WABC. It's time. Now that you're climbing the aging ladder, we all soon will be room temperature cadavers and formaldehyde. It would behoove you women, men, and those of you who are confused about your identification, whether you're a non-binary, transgender, transvestite, transformer, whatever, that if you have a tramp stamp, which is just north of the um, continental divide, that's a nice way, right, right? The continental divide between your cheeks, your tuchus, your dupa. That you go, you need to go for laser removal before it's time for you to go up to the pearly gates. Because St. Peter's going to be there at the pearly gates. And when you go to the pearly gates, remember, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. You don't have any clothes on. Come on. And he's going to make you spin and do a pirouette. And if you have that tram stamp, he's going to tell you, get on the elevator Don't stop at purgatory. Stop when it's hotter than hell, because that's where you'll be in perpetuity. Oh, yeah. By the way, speaking of hotter than hell, if you're listening in Canada, I know we have quite a few listeners in O Canada. Your forest fires continue to burn through the maritime provinces and to Quebec. Soon the Chinooks coming from east to west through Winnipeg, Regina, Saskatchewan, the wheat fields and the forests will carry those cinders and your forest fires will continue to burn in a country larger than America, smaller than Russia, but with only 40 million people. In fact, more people than California as people continue to flee there with all the freaky deaky Activity that takes place in gruesome Newsom, Governor Newsom's land, who still is on the cusp of as a pretty boy from central casting, even though he destroyed California, thinking that he could be the next Democratic nominee and then become president of the United States. Hey, gruesome Newsom, over my dead body. With the McDonald's app, you can get your favorite thing delivered to your door. So if you were looking for a reason to skip washing those dishes you left in the sink, consider this a sign. 
Right now, get $0 delivery fee with any purchase of $15 or more, only in the app. At participating McDonald's, minimum purchase excludes tax and service fees. Delivery prices may be higher than in restaurants. Other fees may apply. Not valid with any other offer, discount, or coupon. On the weekend, take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Minnesota or Wisconsin, as the uh, flames have created the smoke up in Canada, in Quebec, that have filtered down so much so that Minneapolis reported its worst smog ever since recorded time. And it did a twist and turn, as the mayor likes to say. Uh, as it was over Milwaukee. And now the winds are pushing it east. And we're expecting to have not the orange that we had back on the day of June 7th. I'll never forget that Wednesday when our Richter scale of smog went up to 500. The worst it's ever been, even worse than after the attack of 9-11. But it's coming back. It's going to be here for a long, long time because those fires are going to continue to burn. But before we talk about the orange returning, looks like uh, Sid Rosenberg, when he gets out of a tanning bed at a tanning salon or former President Donald Trump, when he looks orange and they glow in the dark, But I just walked to the rear of WABC, and I will tell you, sounded like it's haunted back there. Am I right, uh, Broadway Billy? It really does. There is somebody walking around back there. I was on the hunt, and I could have swore it was the spirit of my mentor, the king of all talk radio, Bob Grant. 
Cut it out. He was a kleptomaniac, as great as he was, known for walking around from desk to desk to the refrigerator to whatever was left around and having sticky fingers. What is on your mind this afternoon? And he heard Mora from Illinois. Bob Grant, born Robert Roberto Giganti, went to the University of Illinois Springfield and learned journalism. He then graduated and went west to Burbank, where he was the newsman, uh, as Noam Layden is our news director here. He was the news director for the Joe Pine Network. Joe Pine was like fire and brimstone. He did both radio and TV and smoked. Remember, this is when you could smoke on TV. He must have smoked two packs uh, just within the time he did the TV show, and I'm sure he smoked more. When he did the radio show out of the studios in Burbank, I actually did a show one time when I was on the road in those same Burbank studios. And one of the guys who was around when Joe Pine was like the number one TV talker in the nation, nationally syndicated TV show, nationally syndicated radio show. And remember, Bob Grant was the news guy, originally known as Roberto Giganti, and they told him back then, hey, that Italian name ain't going to cut it. We got to make you sound like a wasp. He was out of the suburbs of Chicago, so they did a briss on it, and he became Bob Grant. Oh, cut it out, cut it out, cut it out, you little weasel, cut it out, cut it out. And then... I, 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 I wouldn't go to Australia because I was afraid I'd go to Australia to get away from vermin like you. Get off my phone. It was not like that originally, no. In fact, Bob Grant was such a straight news guy... No, no, I don't mean sexually, although he'd get a little freaky-deaky. You'd have dominatrixes come in. You know, uh, sadists, uh, masochists, uh, dominatrix who would whip him on the air, and he, he loved it. He loved to submit to a dominatrix. All you got to ask is Rico Radavalli, who was our senior producer here in the PM hours. He was actually the board operator. He was getting excited just watching that in the studio on air. As Bob was in his submission position, uh, it appeared that he was licking those six-inch stiletto heels. Oh, say it ain't so. But anyway, yeah, now, come on, Bob. Come on. Hey, look, a little freaky-deaky, you know, it added a little spice to talk radio, making it extraordinarily entertaining. Cut it out. Yeah, Bob, your numbers were up. The guy's libidos were active, and they were turgid, not flaccid, as a result of listening to those shows. Cut it out. Ah, Bob, I think he's lurking around back there. Broadway Bob Lee, the veteran himself in this business more than 40 years. He's heard him back there. I've heard him. I'm trying to stop him from... Uh, Stealing anything else back there. This guy right, was just... W-A-B-C. I remember when Mario and I, uh, we were, for want of a better verb, uh, noun, pals. We were. I admit it. A pal, huh? And that's not the police athletically. 
Who's he talking about? Mario Fachabruta Como. And then he would give the salute to Mario. Mario, ascendeme. Tuchu Proyanos Fachim. You hear that, Andrew Como, out there on WLIR in your compound in Southampton? As you've hit the mattresses, you're stirring the marinara sauce with Fredo, your brother, with a muscle between both ears, and your wartime consigliere. Ha <laughs> ha, Joe Pococo. Oh, he was so good. But he had that, hey, he had that weakness. Everybody remembers he was a kleptomaniac. I swear. The ghost of Bob Grant, greatest talk radio host in the history of this, this thing of ours, is roaming around in the back area looking for things to be a klepto on. And I will tell you this. Mayor Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, mayor of the illegal aliens, he's not our mayor, that's for sure, is still at the Club Zero Bond. He's usually there until about 2.30. Normally, you would think the mayor would go to Gracie Mansion. It's the house that we provided for him or whoever else is mayor. Bloomberg said, oof, I'll stay at my townhouse. I'm not staying at that dump de Blasio couldn't wait to get there to smoke his Maui Waui and Hindu Kush with his old lady, Charlene, on the back porch. And Eric Adams is talking about having illegal aliens squat there. Now he claims legally he can't do it. But he's never there. We have somebody who lives right on York, a friend of ours, a block away who has a telescope focused right on that driveway off York. And he never sees the mayor coming in in the wee hours of the morning. Never. Because we know where the mayor goes. He drives down First Avenue. And he uh, stops uh, at UN Plaza. He does not genuflect before the uh, world order of the United Nations. He actually walks in the front door of the 90-story Trump Tower and stays at night in the condo of the Petrosian brothers, who are money launderers who've gone to jail. They're felons. And uh, he really likes Johnny Petrosian. I don't know, sweet cakes, who knows what the hell's going on there. But he's admitted this to Politico, which tailed him. Like they tailed him when he was going to apartment 22H in Fort Lee when he was first running for mayor in the Democratic primary against a lot of opponents with ranked choice voting. And he lied. He said he wasn't there. I know he was there. Political knew he was there, but he lied. So there it is. He has said that he doesn't like to stay at Crazy Mansion because there are ghosts. I think it's an excuse for hanging out with Johnny Boy, Sweet Cheeks. Uh, but maybe, just maybe, now I've asked Rudy... Rudy's really not a good judge of that because, remember, Donna Hanover kicked him out right to the curb when he was cheating with Judy right down the block. Hey, Rudy, you know, you should have taken Salt Peter in the morning. But anyway, the point is, can't ask Comrade Bill de Blasio because he will not talk to me about ghosts in Gracie Mansion because Nancy has done the deep dive investigating him and his uh, wife, Charlene, for stealing $1.5 billion of that Thrive money. They never helped one emotionally disturbed person. Do you think it is conceivable that the ghost of Bob Grant, my mentor, greatest talk radio host of all time, is roaming the floor here of WABC 
in a kleptomaniac way. Come in outer space. Hey, Mario, ascendame. Cosa proprio nos facim. 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 Could be. Look, I'll give Eric Adams a little slack on that. Swagger man with no plan. Mayor of the illegal aliens. He's afraid of rats, right? He said that. I can see he's afraid of ghosts. But is that an adequate reason not to go to Gracie Mansion at night? Or do we think he's with Sweet Cheeks, uh, Johnny Petrosian? No doubt. Look, look, I'm not the first to say that. I was the first on radio to say it, but apparently uh, reporters from Politico say, hey, Curtis Lever knows where all the political bones are buried in, who buried him, followed him at night from Club Zero Bond. Although uh, it is very interesting that Richard Johnson, who was featured in Page Six for many years, now writes for the Daily News, wrote about how the mayor's been hanging out at Naboo till 3.30 in the morning with all of those rap crappers. And I heard about, uh, who was it? It was, oh yeah, Sid Rosenberg on Friday morning after I was on. I'm on every morning, Monday through Friday with Sid 705. I am his fiend and foe amongst his many friends. And he was musing about that, uh, that uh, rap museum in the South Bronx that's a total scam. I and Nancy are going to do a deep dive on that. By the way, the mayor gave $5 million of our money to that scam, the hip-hop museum. Uh, Nancy already checked uh, their uh, submissions because they're a 501c3. And you know something, Broadway, Bill Lee? They don't have a donation from Jay-Z, a billionaire. They don't have a donation from Nas from the Queensbridge Projects, who uh, has many millions of dollars. And they don't have a donation from Puff Daddy Combs, who went to Mount St. Michael's, grew up in Mount Vernon, and is almost a billionaire. Now, you would say to yourself, what do these rappers know that we should know? Why have they not given any donations to the hip-hop museum in the South Bronx? Because it is a 501c3, they would get a deduction. What do they know about the hip-hop museum that they're not sharing with us? The suckers who allow Eric Adams to give our money to them. Because they believe in the culture of the streets, Broadway Billy. Snitches get stitches and end up in ditches, right? So they're not going to snitch out the hip-hop museum. But you know who is. Yours truly, Curtis Sliwa. And we're starting with Curtis Blow. These are the breaks. Oh, yeah, Curtis Blow. These, he calls himself a reverend now. Yeah, right. Don't they all? And then, of course, Africa Bambata of the Zulu Nation. Oh, they all worshipped him. Oh, Africa Bambata. I said years ago, this guy's a pedophile on a pedestal. Oh, no. Yo, yo. He's the leader of the Zulu Nation. You know, they're going to come and kill you. Hey, I'd say get online. And it's like when you go to the bakery on Sunday, get a ticket, get online there. Wow, your car gets ticketed because you're double parked outside. So I said for years, 
this uh, Africa Bambata of the Zulu Nation, this rapper that everybody worshipped, was actually living with young boys in the Bronx River housing project. And they said, you're lying. You're disparaging him. And what did I say, Broadway Billy? You remember I said, go ahead. If I'm wrong, sue me. You wouldn't be the first nor the last. There's a long line. You can get on that line, too. There's two lines in my life. Those who want to kill me and those who want to sue me. So I called out Africa Bambata, who was originally on the board of directors of this scam called the Hip Hop Museum in the South Bronx. And uh, all of a sudden, when people said, how could you have a pedophile on a pedestal on that board? All of a sudden, uh, Broadway Billy, his name was extricated from the board. But he still has influence. Oh, yes. This guy's a pedophile. Bad, too. So, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, I just had to bring all of that to your attention because when I go into the back area of WABC in the wee hours of the morning, there's a ghost back there. There's no doubt Broadway Bill Lee has sensed it. But that Mama Luke Frank Morano is always going into the refrigerators to steal food. A kleptomaniac himself. He's talked about how he steals sushi and sashimi and fromage and cheese. In the spirit of the great king of talk radio, Bob Grant, if he had one flaw, although we all have flaws, it was that he had glue on his fingers and unfortunately was a kleptomaniac. Cut it out. God rest your soul, Bob Grant. I could not have ever been in talk radio if not for me. You convince the old suits, the old mockers, the muckety-mucks at the old WABC that Curtis Lee were needed to be on the radio even though they wanted to push me to the curb and said he's just a street urchin. He speaks in Sleewanics. People don't understand what the hell he's talking about. Bob Grant stood up to them because he was a force to be reckoned with in talk radio advertising dollars, ratings like almost no one has ever had. And he said to them, I'm telling you, you need to hire Curtis Sliwa. And they were afraid of the king of talk radio, Bob Grant, that he might steal from their desks late at night when they had departed back to Larchmont and Scarsdale and out into suburbia in Westchester. Hey, listen, Ron of Glendale, I tell you what, sometime I want you to show up when I'm making a public appearance, I want you to identify yourself. I don't step into I want, of Satan, of I I want you to identify yourself so oh, that I can I punch your stupid nose down your dumb throat. I'll step on you, you old man. You'll step on me, yeah. huh? Get off my phone. It was great. I remember many times management at the old WABC would say, could you escort Bob Grant down? Some guy has threatened to come to Two Pen Plaza. Uh, outside of the studios of WABC, 32nd and 7th. And Bob threatened to punch that guy's schnoz down his throat. And sometimes I would look, and people never really knew what Bob Grant looked like. He was a shorty short. I mean, short. They were expecting uh, this gigantor, you know, this big, huge, mammoth guy to come strutting out. When, in fact... Bob Grant was almost the size of a midget. Oh, wait, can I say that? Or a small person? Or what the hell do you call them now? No, you can't call them pygmies, small persons, 
midgets, what, what do you call them? Whatever. By the way, if you happen to know the politically correct term for that, please share that with our audience. I don't want to get in trouble with the PC crowd. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. I got my first real six string. Boy, it out the five and done. Played it till my fingers bled. Was a summer of 69. Brian Adams, synonymous with old Canada. Like Justin Bieber, Biber, whatever, I want to deport Bieber, Biber, whatever, back to Canada. Like Lauren Green, remember of Bonanza from Canada. And let's not forget a man, no doubt, who was responsible for the murder of his wife. Yes, at a pool up there in old Canada. The man that... Frank Morano worships at the altar. Captain Kirk. Bill Shatner. It, it was him. Just as many have said, uh, it was Christopher Walken battling with Robert Wagner in the belly of that yacht outside of Catalina Island. It caused Natalie Wood to drown and be killed. Remember that? Crazy man Christopher Walken. But Frank has consistently protected that Canadian. I've always wanted to deport Captain Kirk because I felt he was responsible for his wife perishing in that uh, pool accident, did they say? William Shatner was away at the time. Oh, come on, convenient, right? Convenient excuse. But Brian Adams from Kingston, Ontario, a place that I've been through, had a tremendous experience walking through Stanley Park in the summer of 69. Yes, Broadway Billy, I myself have gone through Stanley Park in Vancouver, British Columbia, the most gorgeous city in the Western Hemisphere. Although it, too, 
damaged by drug addicts uh, and uh, homeless. Not to the extent of Seattle or Portland or San Francisco or Oakland or Los Angeles, but damaged. East Main and Hastings near the Carnegie Center, people openly shooting up drugs since the 80s. They had the first injection centers there. How did that work out? Not at all. But he walked through Stanley Park like I walked through Stanley Park, and it was like cathartic. It was a life-changing experience. Not like walking through Van Cortlandt Park or even Pelham Bay Park in the Bronx or Cunningham Park in Queens or Prospect Park in Brooklyn or even Central Park here. No, no, it's a far different experience that Brian Adams and I had. And none of the smoke from these Canadian wildfires has filtered west over the Rockies into British Columbia. Not yet. Not yet. But I will tell you this, the other person to have strolled through uh, Stanley Park. Take note of this, Avery, because you might have become a convert to his religion. Sung Young Moon, the Reverend Sung Young Moon of the Mooney's Church, who lived in Tarrytown in Westchester, and when he was sent to jail for tax evasion, they asked him on the uh, witness stand, how come you kept all the money? He said, because I am the church. Good, you're going to J-A-I-L. But he had a life-changing experience, thank God. The Chinooks, the uh, warm winds that blow from uh, Winnipeg through Regina and Saskatchewan through the province of Alberta, which should be the 51st state. With all of its earl, not olive oil, its earl from shale, that uh, Trudeau Jr. had a heart attack when the uh, pipeline from Alberta was shut down, one of the first actions of President Joe Biden. But if you've been to Edmonton, if you've been to Calgary, it might as well be the 51st state. They even have rodeos with Canadian cowboys. I think uh, in return, uh, Broadway Bill Lee... For us, helping the Canadians put out those forest fires because uh, Dudley Do-Right in the RCMP of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police with his trusty Steed Nell, they don't have the ability to put out those forest fires. And I noticed the Biden administration is not moving to help them. So I would say let's do a you scratch my belly, I scratch yours in Ottawa with uh, Twinkle Toes Trudeau Jr., we help you put out those forest fires because it's going to end up poisoning us, the toxic air that's going to be pouring down on us all summer long as those fires burn the size of two New Jerseys so far. That's how much acreage has gone up. Many, many more acres of forest will go up. We put out the fires with our uh, manpower. Can I say manpower, woman power, non-binary power, transgender, transvestite, transformer power? With our airplanes, with our ability to put out forest fires so that Smokey the Bear does not cry. And then in return, we get Alberta. Right? It should be our 51st state. I think that's a fair trade. I really do. Look, they only have 40 million people in Canada. A country, uh, the second largest in the world, only a second to uh, Mother Russia and Putin. And yet it only has 40 million people, although slightly more than California now, as people are fleeing out of fright 
uh, in flight on a regular basis because of Gruesome Newsom, uh, the governor there who wants to become our president. Uh, right out of central casting. Pretty boy over my dead body. That ain't happening. So I've gotten you updated on all of that. Let's go, if we can, uh, to... Um, let's go to Trisha in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Trish. Oh, hey, Curtis. Um, you know what? WABC uh, always broadcasting Curtis, right? You are the Cut best. Hello? Trisha, what do you, you have? What do you have to do in your life that you stood on the phone for over an hour to patronize me, to praise me, to basically? Uh, because you are brilliant. Because you did predict uh, a year ago that uh, the NYPD commissioner would resign, and your colleagues are. Now agreeing with you on WABC. Yes, well, let me tell you something, Tricia. Get off my phone. That was before he went to the phone booth, did not say Shazam, and came out as Captain Marvel. He said Swachim. So right. Remember how the King of Talk Radio would actually tell sycophants, toadies, and lackeys to get off my phone, you jerk. No, no, Bob, you should be president. Your life so meaningless with no reason to exist that you wait every day till 3 o'clock till I give my opening remarks and then the full four-hour show on WABC. Is your life so meaningless? Get off my phone, you jerk. Hey, listen, Ron of Glendale, I tell you what, sometime I want you to show up when I'm making a public appearance. I want you to identify yourself. I don't step into I want, of Satan, houses of iniquity. I, don't I want you to identify yourself so oh, that I can sir, punch your stupid nose down your dumb throat. I'll step on you, you old man. You'll step on me, yeah. huh? Get off my phone. Ugh, classic. Everybody else, uh, they adulate when people call them and stroke them, right? Like Sid Rosenberg in the morning, the peacock, right? Suffers from low self-esteem, has to tell everybody how great he is, and he wants to hear the feedback from all of you. So as of right now, the odds of me working tomorrow are slim. I want to finish today's show and go to the gym, which is making Lou very upset. Why? Why does that bother you? I'm not making me upset. It's it good. is. It's a good plan. <laughs> Why is it a bad plan? Tell me. Tell me. Uh, he lost his voice, and then I had to jump in, remember? 6.45 in the morning. I'm always at the ready. Earlier on Friday, I appeared at 7.05, as I do with Sid every Monday through Friday. Remember, it started only with one appearance, and then uh, they moved to expel me. They didn't like what I was saying, dissing and dismissing all of Sid's friends. I love Coldplay, you Oh, it's not going to be easy today. Won't be easy, but we, we're going to make it. How do you know? I, I don't know about know. that. I, I, <laughs> yeah. Well, I could, I could see you, so yeah. that's how I know. No, I look great. Yeah, you yeah, of course I feel great, great. But, yes. but I can't talk. It's going to be rough. Where is Curtis? He has to do the show today. He's going to have to do it. And I did. Did it from 6.45 to 10. That was uh, about two weeks ago. 
Hey, that's what I do. I'm always available 24-7-365. It's like Mr. Otis in the elevator, right? You always walk in an elevator. Who's always there? Mr. Otis. You ever see another name in an elevator? It's always Mr. Otis. Always there. And uh, just this past day, Friday, uh, I did my 705 appearance, broke more news, uh, courtesy of the um, research, the deep dive that my wife, Nancy, the attorney, has done on the crook of all crooks, the heckle and jekyll of thievery, the uh, part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, and his wife, Charlene, who took $1.5 billion of Thrive money. I was... Um, on at 705, and in fact, uh, Sid's wife is actually doing a deep dive. I had no idea, Danielle, but she doesn't want any attention to it. So we're co-mingling there our research. Then I came on from 12 to 1, as I normally do, the rip and read. And then I was told that uh, Greg Kelly would not be in. That happens sometimes at the last minute for any number of reasons. But I'm always at the ready. And I was in... Uh, to do the two hours. And then uh, I was asked by John Katzmatidis and Rita Cosby, who hosts the 5 o'clock roundtable discussion, if I would come in and discuss uh, what was going on in Chavez Ravine, which we'll be doing soon, which is Dodger Stadium in uh, Los Angeles, with them honoring the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. And I've been to Chavez Ravine, and I've patrolled in Echo Park, which is the surrounding neighborhood in Los Angeles. And uh, I broke my boycott. I don't know if you were aware of it, uh, Avery and Broadway, uh, Bob Lee. I had refused to join uh, John and uh, Rita on Wednesday I refused to join them on Thursday. Yeah, I turned down the boss, not because I don't like John or Rita. It's a great show. And, you know, oftentimes they have my husband-in-law there, you know, David Patterson. They had uh, the chairman of the party that I'm uh, a member of, the Republican Party in New York State, Ed Cox. It's a great, great gathering, and I was boycotting the show because I had not even been voted in. To talk his magazine, Top 100 Talkers. Uh, Meantime, Frank Morano, uh, who schnores everything, like uh, like Bob Grant used to, you know. He's, uh, he's uh, sort of like uh, an old soul in that respect. Yours truly, the Frankster. Schnores everything. He's not a kleptomaniac, but he schnores everything, everything he can in Atlantic City. He's in the Talker Magazine Top 100. Sid is in there. In fact, Brian Kilmeade is number three. Uh, John Katsimatidis and Rita are in there for their show. Joe Piscopo is in there for his broadcast at AM 970, The Answer, that nobody listens to. And I know that because I mistakenly was there for four years. I did two shifts, morning drive and p.m. drive. And nobody, I mean, nobody ever came to me after four years and said, I heard you on AM 970, the answer, except for Rich Valdez, the liberty-loving Latino, and now has his own nationally uh, syndicated show at night uh, on the Westwood Network, took over for Jim Bohannon. Boy, I had appeared with Jim Bohannon over the years, great talk show host. And Richie Valdez has his opportunity 
And he said he used to listen to me. I said, well, how did you hear me? He goes, I I lived right next to their tower in New Jersey. And still, it was tough to get. I had to put rabbit ears up on the roof to hear you on AM 970, the answer. So how the hell did Joe Piscopo get into that list? You can't even hear that station. There were people on that list of the Talkers Top 100 that I didn't even know existed. They show up to these talk Talker magazines, conventions, and they say to you, Curtis, did you listen to me? I say, well, how can I listen to you? If you go to the satellite and you actually turn the discronificator to the signal 36578294 Northwest, you could actually hear my program. I said, okay, I placate them because clearly they're deranged. They're out of their mind. They actually think people listen to them. And they're in the talk is 100. I am accusing Michael Harrison of pay for play. I'm accusing him of pay for play. I have no evidence. I have no documentary evidence. And obviously, Frank Morano, he's got alligator arms, right? You know, you know what Donald Trump was accused of uh, after he was indicted in the federal courthouse? for purloining those um, top uh, secret papers. Remember when he went to that Cuban restaurant afterwards uh, and it was adulation and idolatry and he said, everything's on me, and they walked out. That's what Frank Morano does all the time. Hey, you want to come to lunch? Yeah, sure, Frank. I'll come to lunch. And then all of a sudden, halfway through the lunch, he pretends like the old comedians at the Friars Club. We're going to be talking about that later on. Oh, boy. Do I desperately want to see the Friars Club opened up because I'm going to be doing a tribute to one of the greatest comedians of all time, Don Rickles, who came, who went to Newtown High School. Newtown High School, Queensboy. We'll get to all of that, you hockey pucks out there. But how the Friars Club is closed, padlocked, the monastery. I blame Arthur Idala, that friend of Sid, that friend of Frank Morano. He took over the Friars Club and destroyed it. And I asked, where did the $13 million go, Artie? Hey, where did it go, huh? What, did it fall into the abyss? Where's our own John Katsimatidis, who had been an excellent board member for years, was willing to put $6 million on the table with Mark Simone. $6 million in cash. We're not talking... Bitcoin, crime coin, we're not talking blockchain criminality. We're not talking cryptocurrency uh, Ponzi schemes. We're talking real cash. And I want to know, Arthur Idaho, where did that $13 million go? We're going to get that. I want to ask you a question. You're a subway rider. Yeah. And now be be objective because I'm a subway rider. I find things are pretty good down there these days. What a propaganda minister, Farrakh Adams. He kisses both his black cheeks on his tuckers. Who the hell thinks things are better down in the subway? It just did a survey. 70% of New York City residents feel crime is worse now than it was before the lockdown and pandemic during Comrade Bill de Blasio's term. Like myself, uh, you know, I was on three subways yesterday, and I got to tell you, if this guy cut on the subway and I'm wearing my suit and 
my little glasses and I'm a pencil pusher and someone starts throwing clothes at me and screaming, I'm ready to go to jail for life. Yeah, he should. For pretending that he's a subway rider and for stealing $13 million. That's right, I said it from the Friars Club, or at least he knows where it went. It's Padlock now. The great Friars Club. You know, I did a two-hour tribute to Pat Cooper the past week when he passed on the greatest comedian of all time who met his last wife, who I think she was like 28 years old. He was in his 80s at the time, at the Friars Club in 2016. For Pat Cooper, for all those old-time comedians who made their bones at the Friars Club, I want to launch a full-scale investigation into this who disgraziata the shanda. Let's quickly go to Mike in Oyster Bay. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mike. I think you should call the hey Curtis. I think you should call the mayor Flim Flam Man with no plan. Every time he comes up with something, it doesn't work out. From the um, the, the tents in the Bronx to the tents out in the, over the bridge, and then he's going to try to get all the. The uh, Im- the migrants in the hotels, everything he plans, is, is, it's a flim-flam. He doesn't get anything done. I like but that. Flim- your- flim-flam man with no plan. That is excellent, Mike. The other thing is it's uh, Tro- uh, Tony Parker was the uh, husband of Ava Longoria. That's right. Tony Parker, do you remember which country he originated from before he played for the San Antonio Spurs? I uh, don't have that one. You got me on that one. All right. Well, you got... We're two-thirds of the way there. We got the uh, female actress that uh, Joe Biden lecched on. He wouldn't let go of her breast the other day. You know how much I'm going to do for the deficit this year? God bless you all, and may God protect our troops. <laughs> God, what a disaster. So he leches on to Eva. Her mammary glands wouldn't let go. They had to get a an aide to come up and extricate him. We now know that she was married to Tony Parker. Great guard for the San Antonio Spurs. Great field general. I actually on the hardwood. Now we need to answer the question. We got two thirds. What country did Tony Parker originate from? And it ain't the United States. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848. WABC. It's another side of midnight. 77 WABC. Oofa. It's another side of midnight. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. <laughs> Jimi Hendrix, 
And uh, there is a purple haze hanging over the city of New York. No, it's not that orange haze that made the sky look like uh, Sid Rosenberg or former President Donald Trump getting out of the tanning salon. They radiate orange, or even like Laurent, remember Rusty Staub. The great Met played for the Montreal Expos, the Houston, uh, what was that, the Houston Colts at the time, not even Astros. Now, you know why I'm throwing all this sports trivia out here, Broadway Bill League. I came on with Sid Friday morning at 7.05. And he had Carton on, who uh, uh, had done time for selling bogus tickets. They should have kept him in jail in perpetuity. I think he did one one year in, uh, you know, Camp Fed. Came back and then was beating uh, Michael Kay at ESPN and his team in the afternoons with his team at the fan. And now he's decided... He wants to go do TV. You know, typical, right? They leave radio to do TV. He'll be back in 12 months. He's not ripe for TV. But anyway, so he left. And then all of a sudden, there was a rumor that Sid was going to go over and replace him. Because Sid has been there at WFAN, actually worked with Carton years ago. I remember listening to them. So I said, Sid, because you're safe and secure here at WABC and I'm pissed off. Get me an audition for Chris Olivero, who is like all everything over there, started, yes, Broadway Billy, you remember, as the board operator for Carton years ago. No, excuse me. The board operator, WFAN, I don't think it was for Carton. Oh, yeah, no, no, Sid, for Sid and Carton. Yes, yes, okay. Now he runs the whole thing, and I said, I know where this guy lives in Brooklyn. He graduated Javarian in 92. I've had conversations with him. He knows that I've done sports talk radio three times. Yankee talk after John Sterling, who would never shut up. ESPN, right after your friend Warner Wolf. That's right, he did Saturday mornings uh, from 6 to 10. And then I did 10 to 12 for then Tim McCarthy who got a call from Bristol, the boys up in Connecticut, and said, who is that a-hole that's on from 10 to 12 calling Bud Sealy, the baseball commissioner at that time that was allowing steroids? Remember Mark McGuire with 70 home runs? Slamming Sammy Sosa, what, he had 66, right? All roided up. I called him out. I said he had a bad rug on his head. He did, and he was wearing high waters. And why would you have the owner of the Milwaukee Brewers be the commissioner of Major League Baseball. So they told Tim McCarthy, who raised his family in Pearl River, where he was born and raised, the Irish Riviera in Rockland County. They said, hey, uh, Tim, you like your job? So oh, yes. You like being in the ESPN family? He said, yes. Get rid of that guy or you're fired. Man, I, you know, I did it. Sports Talk Radio. In fact... When I did the post game uh, of the Yankees Atlanta Braves World Series 1996, they finally were back in the World Series. I remember Atlanta whipped us games one and two at Yankee Stadium. Pettit lost 12 1 to Schmaltz game one. Second game, Key loses to, uh, oh man, <laughs> Maddox. 
And it was John Sterling and Michael Kay, the broadcast team, saying, it's over, Yankee fans, it's over. And I said, it's not over till it's over. I used the Yogi Berra phrase. And you know who was calling me up on the post-game show because WABC carried the Yankees at that time? Ted Turner, half in the bag, who owned the Braves, doing the chop-chop. And he would say, the South as rise, will rise again. And he was taunting me, and he was taunting Yankee fans. And I stood up to Ted Turner and his chop-chop. And he had, remember, Jane Blunder Fonda that he was married to at that time. And they were doing the chop-chop, along with Jimmy Carter and his wife, the chop-chop. You know, I got to give credit to the Atlanta Braves. They have not gotten rid of their Indian mascot, uh, Chief Takamaka, you know, who comes out of that TP and left field every time an Atlanta Brave, like Ozuna, hits a bomb uh, out of the park. And they have not given up the symbol of doing the chop-chop. And let's face it, they are in a politically correct city. Chocolate City, Atlanta. Very liberal. Very progressive. And yet, they have said, no, you cannot take away this tradition. So I give them credit. Although, wow. I'll never forget those first two games at Yankee Stadium. The black Mickey Mantle was in center field. Andrew Jones, he hit like two home runs. They were already predicting he's the black Mickey Mantle and playing third base, is right, was the nemesis of the Mets. What was that, Clipper Jones, whatever the hell his name was. They thought he was going to be the second coming of Mickey Mantle. And there was John Sterling and uh, Michael Kay. Yeah, he got hit in the head the other day in Boston Fenway Park. Boston Red Sox killed the Yankees. Yankees win. The Yankees win. You know, he was from the Upper East Side originally. John Sterling proved to be a pretty tough guy. 83 years old. Uh, foul, foul ball. Comes back into the broadcast booth in Fenway Park, which is pretty high. Gets hit right in his skull. And doesn't lose a bit. Doesn't lose a beat. So although I hated him when he did the post-game show for the Yankees because he'd go on and on. And let's face it, if the Yankees lost, who the hell wants to listen to a post-game show? I'd be telling him during the breaks, would you get off? It's my time. The pitch to Stanton. There it goes. Deep left. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Out of the ballpark. A Stantonian home run. Stantonian home run? What did, what did I do wrong? What did I see wrong? You got hit in your head. He's at first base. Anyway. Check this out. On the weekend. Ufa. Take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa. On another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa.
There's a lady who's sure All that glitters is gold And she's buying the stairway When she gets there she knows If the stores are all closed With a word she can't get
says Satan, right? Yeah, yeah, back-scratching stairway to heaven, as many of us did. After school, we come home, spin the vinyl the normal way, as Broadway Bill Lee is doing now. But then, back-scratch it, and you would hear the ode to Satan, right? See? Satan was right there. I remember hearing it as a as a uh, young adult. Now, I was not under the influence at that time. But afterwards, under the influence, I heard it even more enhanced and emphasized. But it is the stairway to heaven that we all seek to be able to go up to those pearly gates and to have St. Peter nod at us and say, Welcome, welcome to paradise. Without a doubt, the greatest rock and roll song of all time, Stairway to Heaven, Led Zeppelin. And naturally, the best to back scratch, along with Queen. But let's stay focused on uh, Stairway to Heaven. First off, there was a um, an iconic figure in the broadcast booth at Fenway Park, broadcaster for the Yankees at 83, John Sterling. Originally from the Upper East Side, never knew tough guys came out of the Upper East Side. John Sterling was calling the game against the Red Sox. By the way, um, earlier tonight, boy, we got killed by the Red Sox. But I digress. And uh, at the age of 83, man, he got conked. I mean, right on the head. Foul ball came right back. You'll hear his call. 
He showed how he's a true man's man. Up the belt. And now the 3 2 swung on, a pop foul back here. Ow! 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 It really hit me. I didn't know it was coming back that far. So once again, it'll be a 3 2. Notice he didn't miss a beat. I got to hear that one more time. Look at the guy's 83. Up the belt. And now the 3 2 swung on, a pop foul back here. Ow! 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 It really hit me. I didn't know it was coming back that far. So once again, it'll be a 3 2. Now, Stanton. There goes. Deep left. It is high. It is far. That is God out of the ballpark. A Stantonian home run. Now, wh what, did, what did I do wrong? What did I see wrong? He's at first base. <laughs> it's almost like the old Phil Rizzuto, remember? Oh, it's going. It's going. And it's pop fly infield ground rule, right? Time to go out to Cora. Time to get out of here. Seventh inning stretch, and he'd be on his way across the George Washington Bridge, down the Jersey Turnpike to Hillside to join his beloved Cora. Oh, I loved Phil Rizzuto. He's a good friend of mine. Richmond Hill High School, they got Phil Rizzuto field, field there. Now all the Sikhs uh, live there by the temple. They have no idea who Phil Rizzuto is. No idea with their schmatas on their head. But Phil Rizzuto had the same trait of Frank Morano. He had alligator arms. And remember, they just stole like $2 million of Yogi Berra paraphernalia. They were like a, a team. They owned that, what was that, that bowling alley in Clifton right next to Patterson, right? Berra and Rizzuto. And it was always Berra who would buy people stuff. Phil Rizzuto had the alligator arms just like Frank Morano. He was a great guy. There's no other way around he told some great stories. But when Phil Rizzuto was in the broadcast booth with uh, Bill White and uh, Joe Garagiola, who grew up with Yogi Berra on what they called Dago Hill in St. Louis, I actually was actually saw the area because uh, I set up the Guardian Angels in the north side of uh, St. Louis. Nasty area. In the Vaughan Housing Projects, it was right next to Pruitt Igo which is where the um, uh, the Snipes brothers grew up. No, Snipes. Wait a second. Why am I saying uh, Snipes? Uh, hold on a second. Wesley Snipes? No, no. He grew up in the Monroe Housing Projects in the South Bronx with our beloved Bernard McGurk, who's no longer with us. Uh, God. Wesley Snipes. What did he owe, like $38 million in taxes? <laughs> <laughs> the guy did not believe in paying Uncle Sam, that's for sure. And what am I thinking about? The dynamic brother duo, both of whom fought for the World Heavyweight Championship, both of whom ended up losing the World Heavyweight Championship in the ring, one to Mike Tyson and the other, who am I talking about since... I'm having a Joe Biden moment here. But they grew up, grew up in Pruitt, Igo, a nasty project. And Richard Nixon actually um, 
destroyed Pruitt Igo. He actually did it on television. He had the depth charge device. Boom! After they put all the dynamite in the bottom portions of Pruitt Igo, it was a lot right next door to the Vaughn housing projects where I had my honeymoon at that time with Lisa. I forgot one of my one, two, three, whatever. And started the Guardian Angels at tough area. Dago Hill was south of there. That's where Yogi Berra grew up and Joe Garagiola. And uh, you saw in the papers, he just robbed $2 million of Yogi Berra paraphernalia. If you tried to uh, rob Phil Rizzuto when he was alive and well, he wouldn't have had anything because he had alligator arms, just like Frank Morano. Our numbers one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. That's one eight hundred eight four eight WABC, and that sort of leads us right down First Avenue. You had um, John Sterling lived in the Upper East Side. That's where he was born and raised. Did you see uh, what Bob Brown, our news guy, was saying before he handed over the fifty thousand pound for watts of sound to me? A guy is on a motorized city bike at 17th Street and 1st Avenue, right in Gramercy Park, not far from the old Stuyvesant High School. Some of you listening now said, yeah, I went there. That was the Brainiac School. That was me. Yep. That's where, that was me. Right near the L train. 1st Avenue. Right near Stuyvesant Town. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now we, we got our geography. The young guy gets hit by a truck. At 17th Street and 1st Avenue around 1 p.m. And this shows you how bad it is in the city now that Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, mayor of the illegals, has let us all down. There was, as people were standing around because this truck had hit this guy off of his... uh, City bike, electric city bike. He was an 18-year-old kid. He passed away. Somebody comes along and stole his electric city bike. While this was happening, at East 17th Street and 1st Avenue, in the shadow of the old Stuyvesant High School in Gramercy Park. Could you imagine that? South of the old... uh, Police Department Academy, which is now being used to house illegal aliens like every other spot in town. Enough already, Eric Adams. Enough already. Get your focus back on law and order. You said you were going to be the law and order mayor. You haven't. Crimes like this are taking place every day. But anyway, I divert. Stairway to Heaven was played because there were many people at Chavez Ravine earlier this evening as the Dodgers took on the Giants. And one hour before, one hour before, there was nobody in the stands. The L.A. Dodgers organization was giving a award, a humanitarian award to the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Nobody was in the stands. I, I I don't understand this. It became so controversial. I get it. Transgenders dressed like the flying nun. I get it. I saw them in San Francisco when 
I had formed the Guardian Angels there. They were on skates at that time, skating around with their habits on, you know. Making, really, it's like making fun of nuns. They claim they were doing humanitarian work. Maybe they were. I didn't see any humanitarian uh, work, but maybe they were. But to turn everything upside down with America's pastime, although football really has become that, not baseball. And Chavez Ravine in Echo Park, a place I patrolled with the Guardian Angels in Los Angeles. You have imagined Vince Scully in the broadcast booth, who, uh, remember, his, his claim to fame was he did the broadcast solo. The old Brooklyn Dodgers, he did the broadcast. He wasn't solo then. He had uh, Red Barber as his uh, broadcasting mate. They would take turns uh, at the radio microphone, Vince Scully and Red Barber. Red Barber, who was to then move over to the New York Yankees when the Dodgers fled Ebbets Field and went out to first Wrigley Field in L.A., I believe it was. Not the Wrigley Field in uh, in Chicago. The Wrigley Field in Los Angeles that I think was used for home run derby. I'm not quite sure of that. Uh, before Chavez Ravine in Echo Park, Los Angeles was ready, which has been their house ever since. You imagine Vince Scully, how he would have been talking about the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence receiving a humanitarian award from the Los Angeles Dodgers ownership, which is a consortium. It's not owned by any one individual or one family. Magic Johnson is a part owner. Uh, his son is openly gay. Billie Jean King, a great tennis player, openly a lesbian. And the vice president of operations got married down on the diamond just last year to a man, man-to-man marriage. Nobody had a problem with any of that. What the hell do they want to bring in the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence for and give them a humanitarian award? How crazy is that? Even though the San Francisco Giants were the visiting team. And let's face it, in San Francisco, everything is kukulamunga. Absolutely freaky deaky there. No doubt about it. Businesses closing as we speak. Fear and flight destroying that great city. And Gruesome Newsome, who was on with Sean Hannity, the rock-ribbed all-American conservative voice of reason from Franklin Square, Long Island, giving you an idea that you can have that kind of uh, talk TV where you have, obviously, a liberal progressive like Gruesome Newsome, who was right out of central casting, you know, uh, uh, the women's swoon. He did a horrible job as mayor of San Francisco, horrible job as governor, but he's waiting in the wings for Joe Biden to fall one more time. I'm falling. I can't get up when he hits his medic alert. You know how much I'm going to do for the deficit this year? God bless you all and may God protect our troops. So anyway, I cannot for the life of me understand why the Dodgers did this. They paid tribute to gays and lesbians before. Gays and lesbians have had a very difficult climb up to be received equally. The battle over their right to marry, it's a very difficult battle. I mean, think of it. Years ago, would Magic Johnson have acknowledged that his son was openly gay? Probably not. 
Billy Jean King, I remember at the U.S. Open, I hated going to the U.S. Open, but uh, the former vice presidential, uh, excuse me, vice president of the then uh, Disney, actually, when Disney owned us, what a mistake that was. John McConnell, vice president of the spoken word, was a tennis buff and wanted me to go to the U.S. Open with him, which I hate, I loathe, I despise. We're sitting there, and the camera panned the audience. And then it focused on me, and obviously some of these tennis buffs knew that I hated tennis, and Broadway Billy, they booed me. They gave me a cascade of boos, and I loved every second of it. I absorbed it up. And then I took my Benito Mussolini look. I actually put both arms on my hips, and I looked to my left, and I looked to my right, and I had the biggest grin on my face, and they booed even more. This is right after they introduced uh, their queen, Billie Jean King Moffat. By the way, a little trivia. Since I lost out at being able to work at the fan, uh, as Carlton. Oh, who's that? What was that? Where is that? Let me hear that. Yeah, I should have been over there. Partnered up as Carton is leaving for TV. He'll be back in like 12 months. He's not good for TV. Sid was considered his replacement. He's happy here. I am very, uh, very displeased that I was not in the Talkers 100, top 100 talk show host. Uh, that is a disgraziata, a shanda. By the way, see if you can find Broadway Bill Lee where Michael Harrison is calling me the Spider-Man of talk radio, more famous than Spider-Man. We'll get to that as soon as you find it. So I'm really pissed off. So in the morning, Sid was actually interviewing Carton, who had put in his papers and left the fan, apparently in good standing, with the uh, program director, Chris Olivero, who I know. And, uh, Sid said, why don't you give Curtis a tryout? He's done sports talk radio three times before. And then all of a sudden they announced that the new person replacing Carton in the afternoon in their competition against Michael K at ESPN and his team, Tiki Barber. I guess they wanted an ebony and ivory combination. I know Tiki Barber. I like the guy. He knows nothing about baseball. It's like Stephen A. Smith, right? He knows nothing about baseball. It's the middle of the baseball season. That is my sweet spot. And did you know, Broadway Bill Lee, they didn't even give me a tryout. Even though Sid picked up the phone, I saw him calling Chris Olivero saying, hey, you really owe it to Curtis. He's a fellow Brooklynite. You know him. You said he'd be a great host at the fan. You even said it, Chris. In fact, remember, oh, yeah, Francesca, the Pope, 1996. I was doing the broadcast for WABC. We carried the Yankees. I was at a table right outside of City Hall. They had come through the Canyon of Heroes. I had requisitioned a truck. For Michael Kay and John Sterling, they didn't have a truck for them. I basically took it from another group and dared them to do anything about it. I walk into the uh, broadcaster's row there, naturally in charge, the Pope, Mike Francesa, of the fan. 
And a lot of these sports guys were grumbling. And he said to everybody, loud, Curtis is one of our guys. He did the greatest Yankee post-game talk I ever heard. He was interviewing Ted Turner, who was screaming in a drunken rage, the South will rise again. I had just requisitioned a truck. Ask Michael Kay and John Sterling. They had no truck. It wouldn't have been in the, the, the Canyon of Heroes Parade. The fans were so drunk, they were f- throwing rolls of toilet paper that were wet. Because they didn't want broadcasters. They didn't want me. They didn't want anybody. They just wanted Yankee baseball players. Understood. Wondering if they threw uh, wet toilet paper at Jay Z, who was singing at that time, you know, rocking that interlocking N and Y in the Yankee cap. I don't know. All I know is I had to keep batting these toilet rolls away wet as they were throwing in Michael Kay and John Sterling, who's used to getting hit in the head. He got hit in the head three times on that truck during the parade through the Canyon of Heroes. Three times. And he just like. Boom, flicked it off. And I said, man, John, are you okay? Up the belt. And now the 3-2 swung on, a pop foul back here. Ow! 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 It really hit me. I didn't know it was coming back that far. So once again, it'll be a 3-2. Yep. Just like he uh, took those shots of the... Rolls of toilet paper that have been soaked, probably in booze. Took three shots in the head. Didn't go down for the count. Michael K was like shocked. John, are you okay? Because I'm Swung not. On hit of the air, the deep center. Pitch back, away back. She is gone. A judgeian blast. He hit one into Monument Park. What the hell is that judgeian blast? Rise. Here comes the judge. Case closed. Voigt hits one to Beloit. He homers to right. Oh, that Voigt is adroit. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Tulo Hitsky, the man of Troy, homers to right. Three-run home run by Glaber Torres. It is Glaber Day. And he is the Glaber of the month. It is high, it is far, it is gone. Let the Guardy party begin. What the hell was that? Now, you got to know this about John Sterling. He is a big weed man. Oh, yeah. Now, back then, it was illegal, right? He had to do it on the hush, hush, mush, mush. I'm sure he vapes now. How else could you get hit in the head with three rolls of toilet paper? And not go down for the count. Michael K. telling him, hey, John, don't go down because I'm not giving you CPR first aid, uh, you know, mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. Then he gets hit in the head at 83 in Fenway Park. You know what that is? I shot in your head, man. I'd rather get hit by Mike Tyson without the a belt. And now the 3-2 swung on a pop foul back here. Ow! He's a brick. I got to give it to him. I hated him for all the talk time he took up with his post-game show when we covered the Yankees, and then I was doing the post-post-game show. All rise. Here comes the judge. God. 
See, I can tell these stories now about all the weed men out there because hush, hush, mush, mush. Didn't want anybody to know. Go ahead, deny it, John Sterling. At 80- Yankees win. The Yankees win. What a chortle. You imagine what goes down in his throat. God, you know, he, he, he's, he's not a homosexual. He's a, he's a dog. You know, he's a skirt chaser. Can you imagine with that kind of a chortle as a homosexual out there on Fire Island or Cherry Grove? Would he have been in great demand or what? 1-800-848-9222. The pitch to Stanton. There it goes. Deep left. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Out of the ballpark. A Stantonian home run. Now, what did, what did I do wrong? What did I see wrong? He's at first base. The Guardians, 10 runs in the first three innings in Kansas City. Ooh. Looking for their first win as Guardians. So my question is, when the Guardians play the Angels, does Curtis Slewa throw out the first pitch? <laughs> Very good. It's another side of midnight. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. I have one thing to say. You better work. Wait, that was the Met broadcast, the Cohen, right? No relationship to the crook who owns them, Steve Cohen, the billionaire, you know, should be in jail for insider trading information, huh? But you see, I mean, it's in my DNA, it's in my blood, the Curtis Sleeve was Super Sports Spectacular. And everybody's talking about the sisters of perpetual indulgence, getting honored at Chavez Ravine, Dodgers Stadium that I've been to, Vince Scully, oh my God, used to broadcast the game solo. You say to yourself, why the hell did you go to all that trouble to cancel it and to restart it, to give him an award, like, with nobody in the stadium yet? What was the pr- purpose of that while well, you had all the demonstrators outside saying it was sacrilegious? And yet, on this very day where everyone's focused on what happened at Chavez Ravine between the Dodgers and the Giants, who brought along with them their they're cheerleaders, the sisters of perpetual indulgence. You know the San Francisco Giants, that's their cheerleaders. Oh, absolutely. You have to in San Francisco. If if you don't worship at the altar of the sisters of perpetual indulgence, you're called homophobic. You're called insensitive. And anyway... I'm really upset. I really am. I had an opportunity to at least try out for WFAN, for Carton's Post. He's leaving for TV. He'll be back in 12 months. He's not a TV guy. But they all, you know, they're mesmerized by TV. We got them here at WABC. You know, they look at radio as a side hustle. They shine the light of TV and it's all, oh, no, no, radio, this thing of ours, I should have had an opportunity. Sid called in the morning. Chris Olivero, the producer there. I remember him as he graduated Javarian on Shore Road. And I know where he lives. I'll stalk him till the day he dies now for not giving me an opportunity. Because 
just when I thought I'd have an audition, although I'd have to have gotten permission from uh, John Kaczmatidis, the big guy, because remember, he's given me a lifetime contract when I came back after losing to Eric Adams. Five days later, I was back on the air. He said, I want you to do me one favor. Take out that, that guy Russo. Remember, who, who's he now? People, who he's a person of no consequence. I said, come on, John, that's, that's nothing. Come on, man. He's a pisher. He's a schmendrick. Well, that's your first job. Knocked him out. What was that, Frankie Russo, right? Nobody talks about that guy anymore. Man, it's, it's like you, you, you can't compete against me. 35 years talk radio. So I got a 30-year no-cut contract to have gone over and audition for that spot, Carton spot, in his competition against Michael Kay and his team at ESPN. I would have competed, but no, they decided to preempt me because my complexion was not my protection. They put in Tiki Barber, the great New York giant. But I must tell you, Tiki knows nothing about baseball, just like Stephen A. Smith knows nothing about baseball. This is in the middle of baseball season. Let's go to Canning Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Kenny. Steve from Manhattan. Go, Buchanan. Go, go, Buchanan. Go. Ah, slip through Avery there. Yeah. Avery to the gulag. By the way, you know, the other program that I did on the old WABC, before the Yankee games when we cover the Yankees. I was on with the great Steve Molesberg, great sports guy, should have stuck to sports. He started to do political talk, and that that led to his demise because they hooked him up with Richard Bay. At first, they were a great team. They did uh, evening drive. They were on from like 6 to 7. They would talk movies, cultural things, and then they turned into two scorpions in a brandy glass. Had to do with the uh, warning rack. Uh, all of a sudden, Richard Bay was calling uh, Steve. Oh, you support the neocons? What the hell are the neocons? It, it just it, it just fractured, and they destroyed a great program. It really was a great program. They had a great dynamic, but Steve was at his best when he was doing sports. He was great, but they also had us teamed up with Bob Clappish. Bob Clapp is great reporter for the Bergen Record, New York Star Ledger. Uh, grew up in Leonia High School, went to Leonia High School, went to Columbia University. Was a great pitcher, just didn't make it to the major leagues. In fact, I remember having conversations. I said to him, how did, how did Darling make it? All the way from Hawaii, went to Yale to become a great pitcher with the Mets and now a broadcast. And he explained that. And I said, what was it like challenging... Bobby Bonilla, who came up to you in a rage, right in the clubhouse. He, Bob Clappish had just written a book, I think it was 92, the worst team that money could buy. Isn't that what the Mets are now? Boy, it's come full circle. But in 1992, it was the Will Ponzi's, right? You know, Fred and his son, they paid Bobby Bonilla outrageous money. He's still getting paid. He's been collecting splinters at his mansion in Stamford. For years, which is also the residence of uh, the former Met uh, manager. You know, he was wearing the mustache while Bobby Bonilla was playing cards, you know, right near the clubhouse, between the dugout and the clubhouse with who? That's the trivia question. 
1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Bobby Bonilla, excuse me, Bobby Valentine, the manager, who uh, lost, like I did, running for mayor, him of Stanford, me here in New York. But you know the interesting thing, when you think Giants and you think Dodgers, you go back, I think it was 54. Bobby Thompson hit that shot heard round the world off Ralph Branca. Some said that someone signaled to him what the pitch was. It wouldn't have mattered. He hit it out of the, I think it was the polo grounds, yep. And then he took the Staten Island ferry back home to Staten Island. Yeah, that's the way it was back then. And Ralph Branca, I believe, was the father-in-law of Bobby Valentine. See how, man, I could have done this. What with Bill Lee? I I should have been the sports guy there at WFAN. Or at least they should let me do the Curtis Lee with Super Sports Spectacular here at WABC. In addition to all the other broadcasting I do, where the acronym ABC stands for Always Broadcasting Curtis. I should have a one-hour musical show, electronic dance music or disco. And I should have a one-hour Curtis Lee with Super Sports Spectacular show. Don't you think I've earned it? (coughs) Let's go, if we can, to uh, Trevor, who's calling from Yonkers. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Trevor. Take my call. I just wanted to say real quick, uh, yeah, you know, it's strange to me that Tiki Barber, of all people, is going to talk about New York when I'm pretty sure he caught one of the worst reps of being a New York giant when he left talking, you know, all the bad things about Tom Coughlin and Eli Manning about his own team. And now they want him talking about baseball, for one. That doesn't make sense. And the fact that people even want to hear him. Yeah, remember, uh, he had a horrible problem of fumbling the ball. And Coughlin, the coach, just busted his stones. They tried everything, hypnosis, uh, stick him on his hands. And then finally... He really was able to hold on to the ball. Coughlin did not give up on him. And you're right. He badmouthed Coughlin. He badmouthed Eli Manning. He turned out to be completely hopelessly wrong on that. Look, I happen to like Tiki. I met him and his brother. They're like, uh, they're like identical twins. And Trevor, the guy that they're talking about for police commissioner, my choice, Eddie Caban, who would be the first Latino. His brother, James, is an identical twin. One time I was sitting down at a table thinking it was Eddie Caban. I was having a conversation with his brother for 20 minutes until finally he said, I'm not Eddie. I'm his brother. That's what you get when you're identical twins. But you're, still, I, but you're I right. I believe that you should have that you should have been out there and uh, you should have been able to do it. And you know, I don't want you to feel bad at all because you know, it, like I said, they're playing this demographic game, and uh, the opposite of race, this woke race card thing. So it's, you know, I really do. I believe it shouldn't even be about that, but it is about that. And I believe you would have been a much better host, but that's all I wanted to say. Well, I'll tell you, I'll be up in your neck of the woods uh, in Yonkers. I am going to be hosting a fundraiser for the Republican challenger against that crook, Mike Sano, who has got a face-off against, uh, I believe, three Democrats. What a crook Sano is. 
he uh, said he was for term limits, and he expanded term limits, just like the uh, just like Bloomberg had done. Fake, phony, fraudulent forgazes. Do as I say, but not as I do. He's got his family on the payroll. He had what eighteen brothers and sisters, all from one mother. I might add. I met him. I met the mother and father. Wonderful people. But this son, he's a crook. And uh, he's got his family on the payroll. They get they get paid a total of two million dollars. And the number one lobbyist in Yonkers is his brother. So I'm coming up there next week. I'll give you more in detail to support the Republican who is going to unseat Sano, the crook, crooked mayor, Democratic mayor of Yonkers. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. You know, I wonder if I was to take Avery down South Broadway in Yonkers, over by uh, Getty Square, Schlobein Projects, up and down Nodine Hill, over to the old Mumford Gardens, opposite the mall, not far from the racetrack. How many transgenders do you think we'd run across Broadway, Billy? Quite a few, quite a few. That's, I know quite a bit about Yonkers. It might as well be the sixth borough of the city of New York because so many people from the Bronx moved up to uh, Yonkers and still live there. That's why I'm going up there to do the right thing, clean out that corruption at City Hall with uh, Mike Sano, the crook, and support the Republican Councilman Anthony Morante to take him out. I'll give you more details in the coming week. I think it's the 21st I'll be up there. I'm going to fire up everybody, come out for Anthony. And if I have to, walk the streets of Yonkers. They certainly need a guardian angel patrol. Crime is up so bad with shoplifting along South Broadway and other parts that they have had to assign cops, badly needed cops, to the parking lots of those strip malls and the stores, you know, to catch them on the way out. Instead of using the old-fashioned method, which is pull the bats out from behind the counter, tool them up, this way they'll never come back again, and they'll be wearing a cast. And when they walk around the neighborhood, people will know, oh, you tried to shoplift, right? Yeah, yeah, well, stupid you. Anyway, let's go to Bobby in uh, Jersey City. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Bobby. Morning, Curtis. Uh, you were talking before about St. Louis, the brothers from St. Louis, the boxing brothers. It was the Spence brothers, Curtis. And Leon, remember, he beat Ali for the championship with his little teeth. It was awesome. I was rooting all, all the way for Leon to beat Ali that day. And Michael Spence, of course, got destroyed by Tyson that time. And, uh, yeah, I just wanted to fill you on that. But, All uh, right, so now, Bobby, let's uh, let's uh, bifurcate it. Okay, so we had uh, Leon Spinks, who yeah. looked just like Michael Strahan. He had that gap in his tooth, right? Yeah. 
Okay. So he gets into the ring, I think it was in New Orleans, against Ali. And he beat him the first time, right? Yeah, he beat him good. He beat really, you know. I couldn't believe it. I thought it was, we had each show. We had the box. It was the, we had. The, I remember as a kid watching. It, I was amazed. It was awesome. Yeah, because he he could take a punch and he could deliver a punch. But then yeah. you know he's the world champion. He's chasing trim. He's partying hardy, and he loses yep. the title. The, yeah, that's how it is, you know. Yeah. Now yeah, his like his, his brother. His brother gets into the ring, uh, I believe it was a Trump-promoted fight with Don King. Mike Tyson in one corner, Michael Spinks in the other corner, and he was like, yeah. chop meat. I don't think, I don't think he, lost, he lasted a minute with him. He was shit. He was, he was scared, man. You could see it in his eyes, boy. That's what Tyson said. He said, by the way, you don't know what happened. He had everybody at that point. He shouldn't have never left his trainers, Tyson. If he never left his trainers, I think he would have been undefeated. Curtis, he was unbelievable, you know? No doubt, but I think Michael Spinks was truly a light heavyweight. You know, I think he he always fought better as a light heavyweight. Naturally, he put on the extra pounds, but that didn't help. Yeah. But you're right, two brothers. Yeah. Two brothers yeah. out of the... Curtis, yeah. Yes. When I was growing up, there was, a, there was a fighter from Jersey City, Kevin Smith, often comer. And he was supposed to fight Michael, Michael Spinks. Um, and I was on the fight department with his brother. And he was, he was, everybody would go to his fights. It was, a, it was a huge event. And some jealous Goomba wound up shooting him over, over. He was messing around with his girlfriend. Terrible, terrible thing. But yeah, he was an up and comer. Kevin Smith was a great fighter. But uh, hey, Curtis, you know I played baseball against Clapish in the Metropolitan League in, in uh, Bergen County. How was he? Was, uh, How was he as a pitcher? He was all right. He was good. He was a better writer than pitcher, but still, I, I played against Jim Bouton, too. Remember the ball forward? Oh, ball yeah, forward. yeah, Jim Bouton. Yep, spilling the beans on the major leagues, taking all the speed and everything. Yep. So, wow. So that's it, Curtis. No, 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 that's uh, great. And by the way, I remember Jersey. You had Dwight Braxton, light heavyweight out of Camden, who had been locked yeah. up, released. And then Scott, who was in uh, Rahway, light heavyweight, he used oh, I remember to. Remember that? They used to, yeah, they used to go and fight him in the jail. That was unbelievable. Yeah. With, with all the I inmates like watching, it, it, those were great yeah. fights. Jersey had some yeah. really great yeah. fights, and then obviously, yeah. the Hurricane Man coming out of Patterson. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, man, Jersey had no, some. Yeah, yeah, in Jersey City, we had. Um, Jimmy Dupree had a gym. He was he was a he was a pretty famous boxer. My brother used to fight up there in the hood. But uh, yeah, Jimmy Dupree was good. He looked out for all the kids. Yeah, Jersey had a good legacy of boxing. You know, Bobby, uh, I, I think uh, I've earned the right to do the Curtis Lewis Sports Spectacular. Right? Look, look, look at how much sports I've talked about. What What are you cutting me off on my sports here? Wait a second. Are you getting a signal from management or ownership? Don't let Curtis keep talking sports because the fan may recruit him away or ESPN. Oh, I noticed that, Broadway Bill Lee. You know, you never did that before. You never you never attempted to impede on what I was saying. And now all of a sudden, you cut me off. You give me a briss because I'm talking sports, which could have been the Curtis Lee was super spec- sports spectacular at the fan. Sid let me down. He never made that call. He never made that call on my behalf. Detective.
yourself on the weekend. Info. Take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Sliwa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now, to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. In one moment, my faith was seen. The other side of midnight is real. With one touch, I knew the world was right. On the other side of midnight. Number this was. Uh done specifically for me in honor of my support of Crosby, Stills, Nash, Young, and Joni Mitchell battling Spotify, which now is laying off people by the dozens because they've just overspent, overinvested. They think, who are they? Mr. Big Stuff. And, uh... They are suffering fiscally for uh, taking on a lot of different people and embracing Joe Rogan as their so-called Mashiach. You know, Mr. Podcaster with a uh, muscle between both ears. A guy who claimed that he was raised in Newark. No freaking way. But anyway, I digress here. This was actually written by... David Crosby, on my behalf, to uh, honor the support that I gave him, and uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash, Young, uh, and, of course, Joni Mitchell in their battles against Spotify. As I continue to support their efforts, even though David Crosby has gone to the rock and roll form of heaven, although he was despised by many of his colleagues, vilified. But this was a much better song for the other side of midnight that I do on the weekends than Frank Morano's theme song, Lame. You know, what he had some guy in Staten Island, uh, garage band do it, just wasn't prime time. Even though he's a nationally syndicated show that you can listen to Monday through Fridays from 1 to 5, this made it prime time. And I want you to know that this begins the weekend of entertainment. 12 midnight to 6 Saturdays that we're doing now. So nice they have me do it twice. 12 midnights to 6 Sunday. Then, of course, I'm uh, here for an hour with Anthony Weiner at 3, left versus right, 3 to 4. But it's really... These six hours times two, 12, that contribute to the entertainment that is provided by John and Margot Katzmatidis of their parent company, Red Apple Media. Absolutely. Let me just say, the uh, entertainment has been outstanding. Uh, Vinny Madugno, who's on from five to six, is killing it in the ratings because he's so pertinent. He represents this new generation of hipsters and millennials. 
But he honors his mentor, Cousin Brucey, who made that all possible, Bruce Morrow. It was on from 6 to 10. And then it's followed by Tony Orlando without Dawn from 10 to 12. Really good entertainment. Then naturally, it goes right into the very next day. You have Jersey Joe Piscopo just had his birthday, celebrated with Hoboken Mary and others. Naturally, on the Jersey side of the Hudson River. And uh, his show has gone nationally. It's nationally syndicated from 6 to 8 on Sunday, followed by, that's right, cousin Vinny Madugno. He is the rising star here at WABC. Forget Pete Davidson, who abandoned ship, headed out to Beverly Hills. Now he's being charged for crashing into that building, probably under the influence Where's the toxicology report on him? Remember Pete Davidson of Saturday Night Live fame, now movie fame, was a mama Luke, lived in the basement of his mother's home. Lost his father in the attack of 9-11. Then ended up with his own pad in the North Shore of Staten Island in that condo, but fled from there like so many from Staten Island now as the crime rate raises to 250%. North Shore, Mid-Island, even the South Shores had an 18% increase in crime, almost unheard of years ago. Yet, who do they have as their DA? Mike McMahon, the ambulance chaser. And the Republicans haven't even run a candidate against them. Oh, doing a great job, Mike McMahon. Crime is up 250%. Unbelievable. But I digress. So Pete Davidson decided he's escaping Staten, Staten Island, the North Shore there, the condo, and he does the hop, skip, and a jump across the plank, the Verrazano Bridge, what I've always called the Guinea Gang Plank, and he ends up with a condo in Brooklyn Heights overlooking the uh, skyscrapers in lower Manhattan across the East River. And then he decided, I got to get out of New York City. The crime is staggering. If you look at the Siena poll, 70% of the New York City residents that submitted to this poll said that they are less safe than they were before the lockdown and pandemic of March of 2020. Boy, that says a lot. Law and order mayor, uh, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, mayor of the illegal aliens, has left the club zero bond. He left approximately at 2.48 this morning. And he's not heading to Gracie Mansion. He never heads to Gracie Mansion. He stays at the condo of Sweet Cheeks, Johnny Petrosian, and his brother. These are the two guys who uh felons. Felons, one whom, whom did time, the other who was under house arrest for laundering money. It seems this mayor loves to hang out with people who launder mo- money. You launder money, you get to hang out with the mayor. Except every night he goes over to this condo across from UN Plaza, the United Nations. It's the Trump Tower, 90 stories, and it's the condo of Sweet Cheeks, Johnny Petrosian. And he has admitted staying there to Politico who was following him, and he believes that there are ghosts at Gracie Mansion. At least that's the excuse he gives for not staying there himself. And now he's saying he can't provide space at Gracie Mansion for illegal aliens or a family of illegals because legally he's not permitted to. He's a fake, phony, fraudulent fugazi. 
He said, hey, I'm the general. I got to lead up in front. I got to lead by example. Yeah, do as I say, not as I do. So typical of politicians, Democrats, Republicans. That's why I say never trust a politician. Reverse the Ronald Reagan belief system when he would say trust but verify. I say verify first. Then you can trust him. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. One of the things I've done increasingly more here on my The Other Side of Midnight, The Better Other Side of Midnight, is to focus on great comedians. I truly believe that as part of the entertainment, it is one of the classic features of our overnight show. That is heard around the world because of the technology, the app, the stream. 38 states throughout the United States on terrestrial radio because of the power of our tower in Lodi. Parts of Canada, a sliver of Europe, and right on down to Davy Jones's locker. But I really believe that we have to honor these comedians who now, modern-day comedians, uh, in many instances, are not permitted to freely speak. They can't be comedians. They can't fool around. They can't do what a lot of the traditional comedians have done. Remember, it was, I believe, two Saturdays ago, I sat shiver for Pat Cooper, the greatest Italian-American comedian of all time, died at 93 in Vegas, with his wife that he had met in 2016 at the Old Friars Club. That is now padlock. We'll get into that momentarily. And I think she was in her 20s. This guy is the funniest comedian I've ever heard, Pat Cooper. Without a doubt. And I ended up doing two hours. People wanted more. And then last week, I did a tribute to Joan Rivers. Yeah, Joan Rivers was outstanding and had so many topsy-turvy up and downs and all-arounds to her career, including talk radio over at W-O-R, Women's Only Radio. Uh, although, I got to tell you, I listened to that show, not ready for prime time. You can't do comedy <clears throat> on the radio and sustain it for an hour. It's impossible. You know who tried that? Joyless Behar. Joyless Behar made her bones doing comedy in comedy clubs, open mic first, and then touring the country. And uh, she was from North Williamsburg. I remember she was a colleague of ours at the old WABC. She did mid-mornings. And she basically came in and thought she could do comedy for two hours. It didn't work. In fact, the show was so bad, she wouldn't do any show prep, that she was replaced by the greatest female ever to do talk radio. That's Lynn Samuels. Without a doubt, the greatest. But obviously, uh, we see that Joyless Bayar has gone on to other... Other things, she's a fixture on the view, the hen cluck, and has survived a lot of challenges to her staying on the view. She left, she came back, she left, she came back, whatever. But I did a full hour about Joan Rivers, and our listeners couldn't get enough. And remember, these were local, homegrown comedians. Pat Cooper was from Brooklyn, Joan Rivers, a New Yorker. And the guy we're honoring tonight, Don Rickles, went to Newtown High School, grew up in Queens, funny, 
very politically incorrect. That's why our owner-operator, John Katsimatidis, who had been a board member of the Friars Club, I think it was over on 55th Street, they called it the Monastery, beautiful building, I was in it a few times. And then all of a sudden, $13 million disappeared, $13 million. And the guy who moved in to try to own it with a consortium was Arthur I. Dollar, regular guest of uh, Sid Rosenberg's show. He has polyprep day school immunity like Joseph Tacopina, who represented A-Royd. Remember that representation? A-Royd swore that he never used roids. Uh, when he was being uh, sweated down by Major League Baseball, he said it was anti-Latino, along with that... Uh, that Norduel, Fernando Mateo, who is president of Hands Across America for Hispanics, got paid, uh, God only knows how much money to take full-page ads out in defense of A-Royd, who claimed he wasn't on roids. And finally, he had to acknowledge it. Had to acknowledge it. Said, yeah, it was his, really, it was cousin Yuri who was injecting him in the stomach in the DR. He thought it was uh, vitamin B12, sure. It was roids. Look at his career. He hasn't taken a beating or a licking. He just keeps on ticking. A-roid. And that showed you about the other guy who on the Sid Rosenberg show has polyprep day school immunity. Joe Tacopina. Represented A-roid. Right? He's a liar for hire. That's what these lawyers are. Arthur Idala, Harvey Weinstein, how do you justify not only representing him, but then representing him on appeal unless it's just solely the money? How do you look at yourself in the mirror? That rapist, that serial sexual assaulter, that perv. Harvey Weinstein found guilty in both Los Angeles and New York. And all I ever hear Arthur Idala do is moan and groan and appeal to Sid that, hey, he didn't have a fair trial. Get out of here. But Arthur Idala actually went to court and defended the guys who were in charge of the Friars Club. Great com- comedic gathering club for so many years. I think going back to like 1911 with different changes in between in terms of the venue. But the last place was the monastery, an iconic building. I'm su- Surprise! it wasn't landmarked by the Landmark Commission, or maybe it was. But as I said, when the collapse came, when they padlocked it, John Katsimatidis said publicly, along with his uh, friend, our fellow broadcaster Mark Simone of WOR, Women's Only Radio, that he would put down $6 million in cold cash. We're not talking Bitcoin, which is crime coin. We're not talking blockchain, which is block criminality. Or cryptocurrency, which is a Ponzi scheme. Real cash. And Arthur I. Dallow went to court and uh, represented those that probably took the money. And now it's bad luck. Show me the money. That's really what it is. Show me the money, Arthur I. Dallow. Where the hell is that $13 million? And, you know, Frank Morano, that's the other one, protects Arthur I. Dallow all the time. In fact... In one of his better shows, but sometimes Frank can put you to sleep. You know, he had this guy talking uh, no brands in politics the other week. Oh, my God. I wanted to take a pen, and I wanted to stab myself in my eyeball, a big pen. It's like, really? 
Really, Frank? God, he puts those wonks on. Who the hell wants to listen to them? It's just no entertainment value. But he had a guy on, Elliot Gordon, who used to be an aide-de-camp for Rudy Giuliani in the Jewish community, has since gone on to uh, give talks in senior citizen homes and before groups of seniors about the great comedians of their era, the great actors and actresses. I heard him on with uh, Frank Morano for an hour. He was great. I would suggest to Frankie have him on once a month. The audience couldn't get enough of it. And I'm going to continue to do more and more of the old comedians because they were just so hilarious, so outrageous, just so good. Like Don Rickles. And you think of it, Don Rickles. Oh, yeah. His famous term was called everybody hockey pucks. I'd say the category was insult comedy. And he was definitely improv. He would counterpunch. So he would argue with the audience. He would go back and forth with the audience. That's what he loved to do, responding to hecklers. So he'd come out, you know, with a regular routine. But the moment he saw hecklers, he was on their jockstrap. They were on him, made for great performance. As I said, was a Queens boy, grew up in Jackson Heights, went to Newtown High School. Then entered the United States Navy towards the end of World War II, served on a motor torpedo boat. You know, like uh, very much like PT-109, you know, JFK and John Kerry in the Mekong Delta uh, in his PT boat. Although, uh, boy, the swift boat veterans came along and they just knocked John Kerry out of the box. He remained quiet for a week as they were casting aspersions on his service to the United States during the Vietnam War. And he gave the advantage to Bush 43, who, in the polls, was losing to John Kerry. Losing. Absolutely. Because of that uh, nonsense of claiming there were weapons of mass destruction of Iraq and putting together a coalition to do the invasion, although we couldn't bribe Turkey enough to allow our tanks to come in through Turkey. But I digress. So here was uh, one of the greatest comedians of all time, no doubt about it, Don Rickles, who actually made his bones, first as an actor, and then he realized people would not give him parts on a regular basis, so he decided he was going to become a comedian. Here's a little bit of Don Rickles calling an Irishman what I call a spudhead, a bird. That's what it's about, New York, Italians, Jews, Irish, whatever the hell you are. You're people. That's what I love about this city. There's a chemistry. I swear to God. You're an, are you an Irishman? You an Irish kid? What are you, a bird? <laughs> Past. Improv. As... Uh, Pretty much created the term. Although, I, you know, to me, when you look at the old reels of comedians, he struck me as somebody who was more like, um, although he claimed he was more like Milton Berle. No, he wasn't. Don Rickles did not dress up in a dress. 
He was not a transgender performer like Milton Berle, although Milton Berle always claimed, no, 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 a thousand times no. But I remember Rickles befriended uh, the mobster choking on his lobsters. We'll be talking about that later. You know, June 19th will be the 31st anniversary that John Gotti Sr. gave the orders to John Gotti Jr. to find the crew together to kill Curtis Lewa. And they almost did, shooting me five times in the back of that cab on the way to WABC with hollow point bullets. But Rickles was a friend of Crazy Joe Gallo out of Carroll Gardens, who had been released from prison upstate. I believe it was Auburn. And uh, Joey Gallo that night with his uh, group and his Greek bodyguard. Oh, what a mistake that was. Was at the Copacabana where Rickles was performing. And uh, Rickles had ribbed Gallo unmercifully during his performance. And it was Gallo who invited him to come to Umberto's Clam House to continue the celebration. Rickles declined the offer, smartest thing he ever did. Because, as you know, Joey Gallo ended up getting shot about 38 times by guys from the Colombo crime family who was seeking vengeance and revenge for his ordered execution of Joe Colombo at the Italian-American Unity Day celebration on Columbus Day at Columbus Circle, 100,000 Italians. He convinced the black guy to pretend to be a, uh, a photographer from, I think, UPI or AP, got up close, he pulled out his gun, he shot Joe Colombo, And then Columbo's guys pulled out their gats and shot him like 9,852 times, dead, right there. Joe Columbo was wheeled over to Roosevelt High School a few blocks away and remained a cadaver in formaldehyde on life support for about as long as Ariel Sharon did. Remember when he uh, just about expired and they had him on life support? Think about seven years and then he, he died. Well, they held uh, Joey Gallo responsible for that. And then they got him at Umberto's. And uh, (laughs) Don Rickles decided he wasn't going to go and continue the celebration after performing for Gallo and everybody at the Copacabana. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Here was Don Rickles. In uh, a scene, he appeared in many movies, but this was the movie Dirty Work. All right, all right, all right. Everybody line up, huh? Line up, don't be dummies, just get in line. That's fine. Gentlemen, members of the National Office are coming here tonight for their annual inspection of this theater. Right now, I'm going to explain to you my managing style for the benefit of the new guys. (laughs) <laughs> so there you are, Tubby. Ah, look like a bucket of lard on a bad day. You baby gorilla. Why don't you work a zoo and stop bothering people? Got a call yesterday from Baskin Robbins. They said that they're down to only five flavors. You're swelling up as I talk to you. Look at you. How's this? How's it doing? <laughs> Hello, ice cream. Having a good time? <laughs> Running around? <laughs> What are you laughing at? Because I called your friend a fat pig? You think that's funny? 
Oh, no, I was just laughing uh, earlier when you were talking to his belly. You get a horse and live in the mountains someplace. Don't bother anybody. <laughs> Got a personality like a dead moth. <laughs> okay. The fun's over. Anybody messes this thing up for me tonight is through. Not only are you fired, your life is over. I'll see to it that you never work again and that you wind up tearing tickets off in Kuwait. And everybody's sucking sand. <laughs> Nobody messes up. You understand me? Don't mess up. Oh, so good. By the way, now that Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, mayor of the illegals, signed legislation put through by the city council banning discrimination against fat people and short people. Would that kind of comedy be permitted? Would that uh, kind of comedy merited uh, Don Rickles, let's say he were uh, performing at the old Carolines in Times Square that is no more? Would that would have meant that he got fined or the owners of Caroline got fined under this new legislation? All right, all right, all right. Everybody line up, huh? Line up, don't be dummies, just get in line. That's fine. Gentlemen, members of the National Office are coming here tonight for their annual inspection of this theater. Right now, I'm going to explain to you my managing style for the benefit of the new guys. <laughs> so there you are, Tubby. Ah, look like a bucket of lard on a bad day. So good. He probably would be fine now by uh, Mayor Adams and the city council. Caroline's would have been padlocked for this reason, not because they decided the business was so bad in Times Square they had to get out of there. It's the kind of radio we should be doing. Tributes to the great comedians of old and now. And also to assist John Katsimatidis in moving the needle so that he could revive and resurrect and reopen up the Friars Club at the monastery on 55th Street. Remember, he's offered to do that with $6 million in cash after Arthur Idala put together a consortium of individuals who uh, tanked, tanked the, the Friars Club. $13 million missing. Where's the money, Arthur? Where's the money? It's another side of midnight. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Nobody's going to sleep. Taking you to the break of dawn.
So good. So good. Here it comes. Rare earth. Time to celebrate. Yeah. What that tasteless, transgender TikToker who took uh, its top off to reveal those falsies on the White House lawn was probably saying right after she met with the President uh, Joe Biden. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So good. So good. I really should be able to spin stacks of wax. I got the touch. It's an eclectic form of musical choices that I give you within the course of six hours until the break of dawn. But I deserve a music show for an hour. A courtesy of a super sports spectacular show for an hour. And I'll think of some other subject matters that I can be like a Pac-Man and just eat up more radio time so that WABC is enhanced even more as always broadcasting Curtis. But let's go back to the kings and queens of comedy since we're spending a lot of time giving them a focus, although they're not around with us anymore. They've departed to the uh, Comedy Hall of Fame uh, Wherever that may be, purgatory, hell, or heaven. Here was uh, Don Rickles on The Tonight Show with Ed McMahon, the uh, one-liner, and obviously the big guy, J.C. Take your time. Take your time. You know, when you're on 26 years, sometimes you sit there and go, come on, John, try to remember who you are. Try to remember. (laughs) Sit there. I'll tell you this. You're going to be a new... You're going to... This is a new thing. Since you're on 26 years in the competition, he's suddenly leaning over going, John, don't look good. He don't look good. Gee whiz. He don't look good. He looks wonderful. And we got the young kid now. Right. Gee, you're staring at him. Don't worry. And Jay Leno's in the back going, how's my jaw? Anyway, you'll be on forever. I know you. You don't want to walk away from that kind of money. Dave Tebbett called me and said, I give him a TV set every year. That's an inside joke, and by your response, you realize that. Uh, Why do you do stuff like that? Because I got news. You get one shot and you go home. That's it. But no, but uh, don't worry, Ed. You're going to be big. This ain't eventually, if Johnny retires, are you going to retire? Certainly. No, you're not. No, you're not. I know what your wife spends. (laughs) Huh. And he went on and on, and he riffed with Johnny Carson. The same way, remember last week we described Joan Rivers being Johnny Carson's preferred comedian and also his permanent replacement until he said she stabbed him in the back when she took her own slot at Fox doing uh, a late night in competition with Johnny Carson. Who else uh, did a late night? Remember? Magic Johnson. Oh, boy, that was horrible. Magic, give it up. Stick to basketball. 
And then, yeah, Mr. Wheel of Fortune, Pat Sajak. Remember, he did an overnight. Oh, that was the absolute worst. Although, no doubt, Frank Morano probably couldn't get enough of Pat Sajak doing his own overnight talk show. You know, with uh, comedy entertainment. That was horrible. Does anybody remember that Pat Sajak overnight show? It was meant to compete with uh, The Tonight Show on NBC. Or maybe remember Magic Johnson doing his uh, overnight show. I think it was for the Fox Channel, just like Joan Rivers. That bomb, that tanked. Anybody remember those bombs? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then here's Don Rickles making fun at a roast. I don't know, this roast could have been at the Friars Club, but now it's padlocked. The monastery over there on 55th. Arthur Idala, where did that $13 million go? I'm going to assign Nancy to do the deep dive on that. She's so good at getting the pertinent information. We need to know where that money is. Because John Katzmatidis, who's got big pockets, cash, willing to put cash, $6 million down to revive, to resuscitate, to rescue, to uh, conduct like was done when raising Lazarus from the dead, because that's what the Friars Club is. As he did with WABC, he could do with the Friars Club. Stand out of the way, Arthur Idala. Just tell us where the money is. Anyway, here was uh, Don Rickles cutting up Martin Scorsese. It is now 11 o'clock, and I'm fed up and tired. (laughs) Marty, I would address... Somebody get a phone book so you can see me. (laughs) 40 million jobs in show business. I got a midget to direct me. So good. We need to do more of this. I've looked at the analytics, uh, Broadway Bill Lee and Avery, our phone screener, and in preparation of the funniest hour in all of radio, which will be taking place 24 hours from now as he does the rip and read and the the cut-up Frank Morano. Imagine he had to listen to 20 hours of Frank Morano just opining about everything this past week. And take from those programs things that Frank Morano considered to be very serious, which turned out to be quite hilarious, but he didn't understand. And you all end up with a great belly laugh from it. That's what he's in preparation for doing. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Last 
Rebel yell. In many ways, that was symbolic of Don Rickles, who would come out on stage and look to do improv, battle with hecklers, was so quick and was so politically incorrect, something that comedians are being told increasingly they can't do. That's why we need a, a Friars Club for them, a sanctuary for comedians, right, Broadway Billy? Right, Avery? I mean, look, you got, quote, asylum seekers. That's the only English word they know, asylum, asylum, asylum. They come bum-rushing across our border, invading our country. And all they know is asylum, asylum, asylum. Uh, and they get sanctuary here, right? New York City, a sanctuary city. New York State, a sanctuary state. New Jersey, a sanctuary state. They get sanctuary. We need a sanctuary for comedians. We need to unpadlock the Friars Club on 55th, the monastery, magnificent building. And once again, let comedians be comedians. Give them a place where they can practice their craft, they can network, they can say things that they might obviously uh, get arrested for in other places. The way things are now, which you can't offend anybody. Anyway, let's go to the phones and to Sal in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Sal. Hey, Curtis. You should always be in the Canyon of Heroes, buddy. You are a hero. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Sal. You know, Curtis, I want to talk about uh, the Bronx, the old South Bronx. You're talking uh, the Zulu Nation, Africa, Bambada. First off, though, if I may, 
want to talk about quickly uh, the head of the uh, Velveeta crime family, Frank Moreno. <laughs> this guy, Curtis, you know something? His bloodline, his blood type is uh, pasteurized. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, this guy, like you say, he likes the fromage, you know? I mean, let me tell you something. The head of the Velveeta crime family from Morano, you know, his consiglio would be Louis Pasteur. You know what I mean? <laughs> this guy loves the cheese. And Curtis, all I can say, we're talking about the crime in the city. You know, we all know it's very bad. Here's what we got to do on the subway. have an idea. We put uh, refrigerated doors on all the subway cars. Nick and Frank Morano will have them cleaned out by Monday. <laughs> you are so correct. Uh, by speaking of Frank Morano, I thought he had come to my aid and given me tactical air support. It turns out, Sal, he ended up attacking my very dear supporter and friend, E. Frank, lifetime listener and caller. To all WABC shows, you're going to hear about it in the next hour in a very shameful way. Shameful way, so. It's not personal, Sonny. It's you know, Curtis, Curtis, his history has proven that uh, he will he will put it in a la uh, Brute, a la Brutus, you know, the Roman <laughs> Empire. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> he, he will put the, uh, the cheese, uh, you know, the thing that you scrape the cheese with, you know, a cheese platter. He'll stick that right in, right in the old back, right in the old spine. <laughs> But, you know, Curtis, you're a guy who grew up, not, excuse me, not grew up, but, you know, you know what the 70s is like in New York City, for example, right? The, the gritty 70s, Times Square, you know, the 42nd Street, the infamous 42nd Street, the infamous infamy of the uh, South Bronx, like when uh, Jimmy Carter said, you know, what it looked like a war zone, right? And not, you know, you weren't there peripherally. You were in the midst of it, you know, patrolling and living. And uh, I have some, some history in the Bronx myself. But see, you brought, now here's the thing. I love, you were playing Led Zeppelin before, a great song, Stay What I Have, and I love it. But I also, I have a history of liking the origins of rap music, you know. And um, I remember listening to... Uh, uh, Africa Bambata and the Zulu Nation referenced in that song, um, uh, Planet Rock, right? And uh, also, the offshoot was Planet Patrol, Play At Your Own Risk, which is a great, great song, mm. right? And I, I think you know those songs, right, Curtis? Yeah. yeah, no, they were top hits, and obviously they had a cult following, a Zulu Nation, and more specifically, the leader of the pack, uh, Africa Bambada. Africa Bambada and the Soul Sonic Force. You hear that reference in the song. But here's the thing, Curtis. The Zulu, here's my question, and I think you're the, you're the right guy to ask. The Zulu Nation, right? Were they a gang? Like, uh, you know, I know the Black Spades was a big gang in the South Bronx. But was the Zulu Nation, were they a gang per se? In fact, they were because uh, Africa Bambada was one of the Black Spade leaders at Bronx River the uh, projects there, and then he decided to turn it into what he called a cultural organization. They still maintained uh, their gang uh, uh, cred. Uh, and I remember when Rudy Giuliani got elected in uh, 1992, sworn into office in 93, Sal, he said, I want you and the Guardian Angels 
You go into the Bronx River Projects, we're going to give you the community room there to operate out of because the Zulu Nation is taking it over and the residents are upset. Zulu Nation through Africa Bambada, who everybody knew at that time was a pedophile housing underage boys in his apartment there, uh, was basically threatening. Anybody comes near that community room that Zulu Nation controls, we're going to rock their world. So Rudy uh, just sent in the police department, and they padlocked it, and Africa Bambada had nothing more to say. Although, can you imagine all that time and to this day? Uh, they continue to idolize him. Uh, it's a form of idolatry, even though they all realize now he has been and continues to be a pedophile on a pedestal. Now, now Curtis, was that, um, you know, those allegations, were they, like, confirmed? Or was he kind of like, the, uh, you know, like a faggot-ass faggot from the uh, Oliver Twist, you know, like just had the street urchins around him, you know? No, no, these uh, were actually confirmed Although people continued to try to cover up for him. He was on the original board of the Hip Hop Museum in the South Bronx. Uh, Eric Adams has given them five, $5 million of our tax dollars. And I have asked my wife, Nancy, to do the deep dive. Because I have asked a simple question, Sal. There are 501c3, a nonprofit. And yet, in looking at their paperwork, their filings... No donation from Jay-Z, a legitimate billionaire now. No, no, no donations from Puff Daddy, who went to Mount St. Michael's in the Bronx and grew up in Mount Vernon. He's almost a billionaire. And none from the, the rapper Nas, who is bi-coastal. He has homes in both the East Coast and West Coast. He's got millions. So why do you think the very rappers themselves that are in that... Uh, uh, Hip Hop Hall of Fame in the South Bronx have not contributed, Sal. Yeah, that, I mean that's uh, that's interesting. I, I suppose that is a telling, a telling, uh, a telling point in that respect. That's well, I got to tell you, Sal, because they know the characters involved who are in charge of this this hip hop museum. Uh, except the problem is they believe in the code of the streets: snitches get stitches and end up in ditches. So they won't rat them out. But I tell you what, I eat the Parmesan cheese. I'll rat them out. I just need the documentary evidence to connect all the dots. It's kind of obvious, but Nancy's on the case. She's doing the deep dive, even though she's been under the weather. You don't want Nancy coming after you like uh, Robert Stack from The Untouchables with a number two pencil. Check this out. On the weekend, take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa.
obviously playing the Godfather theme because we are on the precipice, the cusp of another anniversary for me. No, not my wedding anniversary that just passed. We celebrated that. This uh, is a celebration uh, of life. Because on Monday, it will mark the 31st anniversary of the time I survived the attempt to execute me in the back of that yellow cab on the orders of John Gotti Sr. to John Gotti Jr. and the Gambino crime family. 31 years ago on Monday, as I was coming to WABC to host the morning show, and... uh, Unbeknownst to me, the members of the Gambino family have been ordered by John Gotti Jr. to track my every movement so that they could take uh, an opportunity to whack me and shut me up on the airwaves of the most powerful news talk station in the nation. For I had been uh, doing mob talk a part of the morning show uh, with my wife Lisa at the time. It was called Angels in the Morning. And uh, once uh, a day, every morning, we would critique what had happened the day before in the courtroom of the Eastern District in downtown Brooklyn of the federal court, where uh, prosecutor, U.S. prosecutor Gleason had on trial John Gotti Sr. on a number of charges. And although he had skated three times before and was called the Teflon Don, later we would have learned it was not through the legal prowess of his uh, attorney who looked like uh, a Mussolini lookalike, Bruce Cutler. It was because Sammy the Bull Gravano, his uh, underboss, had fixed the juries with his uh, associates of the Gambino crime family. We found that out later. But they were totally upset with the outcome of the trial, the turning of Sammy the Bull Gravano against John Gotti Sr. sealed his fate. He was an excellent uh, informer and uh, in the witness protection program, he turned on Gotti and the Gambinos. And then they had the live Memorex tapes that were taken in the Ravenite Social Club upstairs uh, where a old grandmother, all dressed in black, would leave every time John Gotti Sr. wanted to go upstairs and talk to Sammy the Bull Gravano, his underboss, or any other member of the Gambino family or whomever it was that he wanted to counsel with. And the... uh, federal government had wired it up like a Christmas tree, unbeknownst to John Gotti Sr. and to Sammy the Bull and the Gambino crime family. Remember, the downstairs was a Ravenite social club. Now, Broadway Bill Lee, it is a uh, dress shop for transgenders. <laughs> of which many of them became that when they were sent to jail. Definitely Maytags. I knew enough of them to know that... Uh, All of a sudden, you know, Big Mike became Big Michelle. Uh, You can follow. Follow the progressive, progresso breadcrumbs. But I'll never forget, at the old WABC, my mentor became a doubting Thomas. 
That's right. Bob Grant questioned whether I had been shot by organized crime. Remember, he had taken the code of Omerta about organized crime, as had Imus at that time and Stern, and all broadcasters who would rant and rave that talking about organized crime could lead to your demise. And they would always point to me afterwards, but Bob Grant, I'll never forget it. It was brought to my attention that he came on the air. He said, well, you know, if Sleewood dies after turning into a speed bump on the ground, you know, life is life. We move on. Somebody else will take uh, his and Lisa's spot, right? That was my mentor. He was so frightened of organized crime. Cut it out. It's true, Bob. Cut it out. And then, of course, there's Frank Morano, the Mama Luke who uh, was assigned to the four, count them, four trials that the federal government waged against John Gotti Jr. The primary charge was the attempt to kidnap me and kill me. And uh, every day, Frank Morano was assigned to do coverage in the court and then come back on the next morning with me and Ron Kuby and give his opinion of what had transpired in the courtroom. And I noticed, uh, Broadway Bill Lee, that at first he was fair and square and balanced. But slowly but surely, people would report to me that he was actually sitting on the side of the Gotties with all their sickle fans, toadies, and lackeys. The very guys who had tooled me up with baseball bats who were there on a regular basis. Stephen Kaplan, McLaughlin, and Ruggiero. He was sitting almost side by side with them. But it was a honeypot he was there for. It appears that Victoria Gotti Jr. had befriended Frank and had introduced him to her older sister, Angel. Oldest of all the siblings of John Gotti Sr. and Victoria Gotti Sr. And oh boy, Frank Morano was all for toots. For the first time in his life, a woman was paying attention to him. And she was arm in arm with Frank, and she had on that toilet water, you know, that, that cheap perfume, but Frank was like, oh, mesmerized. And I'm telling you, I think they used it as a form of tricknology to control Frank, because basically Angel said... You know, I listen every morning, Frank, but you're really not being fair to my, my brother, John Gotti Jr. You know, maybe a little bit of downtime, personal time might get you to change your mind and uh, sort of steer your reports in the direction of our family and not Curtis. I did not see Curtis next to the Gottis at my wedding. They were on opposite ends of the room. They did not interact at all. There was no interaction. Think of this. It got so bad that later on, after all the trials were completed, and Gotti Jr. skated on technicalities because his uh, second attorney, the meatball Carnese, said to the jury, you know, what about if we admit John Gotti Jr. was the underboss in charge of the Gambino crime family with the absence of his father, who was at the Marion Correctional Facility, Triple Life Without Parole in Illinois. How about if we admit that? 
But hey, you're going to see Curtis Lee testifying against my client, John Gotti Jr. And guess what? He's alive. There's uh, a statute of limitation. Curtis Lee survived. He's not dead. If he were dead, understood. All bets are off. But he's alive. So even if you want to believe that my client, John Gotti Jr., is guilty, you can't touch him because there's no statute of limitation. Using a nuance of the law. And oh, did Frank embellish that on the broadcast. I looked at him one morning and I said, you know, Frank is not supposed to be taking sides, right? He's supposed to be fair and balanced. I mean, I didn't like that idea to begin with. I am a they, them, there, whatever. And now you're stabbing me in the back each and every morning. And then I could smell. That cheap perfume of Angel Gotti that had seeped into the pores of his skin. Oh, he was so fatuts. He was so taken by her, that Venus flytrap. The honeypot trick worked again. After the trials, all four, Angel won't even return his call. I'd be juicy, plump, and oh so grand. Meanwhile, uh, he then met the lovely Rachel, an accomplished journalist, a Pulitzer Prize winner from Long Island who wrote for Newsday. And he forgot all about Angel. The tastiest Frank in all the land. Forgot about Angel. Some people were assuming uh, when they saw him and Angel together in the cafeteria during breaks of the trial that uh, there was something... Really hot to chat going on. Oh, I wish I were an Oscar Mayer Frank. That is what I truly like to be. There were rumors that it might be a potential wedding. Oh, yeah, that the Gottis wanted to embrace Frank. He was beloved by Victoria Sr., and apparently she had blessed the relationship. But it all turned out to be a ruse, a honey trap. Frank Morano was so mesmerized, he was so fatuts, a woman was finally paying attention to him, whispering sweet things in his ear in the middle of the trial. When I was testifying up in the first trial with Jeffrey Lickman, disparaging my character, Asking me, Mr. Sliwa, you have said many times on WABC you believe in theater of the mind. Yes, yes. Is this theater of the mind here in this courtroom? I said, no. Of course it is. That's all you ever do. And I looked at the judge, Shira Shinlin. Looked at her for some relief, and you know she was playing hearts. The card game hearts on her computer. The deck was stacked against me. In one of the trials, it was John Gotti Jr.'s uh, birthday, and his attorney had dressed him up like a little choir boy, you know, the little wire rim glasses, the sweater, looking like Frank Morano, the Mama Luke. And, um, yeah, I, uh, I, 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 you know. And then the federal judge, Shira Shinlin, appointed by Bill Clinton, sang happy birthday to John Gotti Jr., you lose control when you get punched in the face at times. But Frank never did. Because these Gabons of the Gambino crime family protected him 
in the court, outside of the court, and when they would go for their daily lunch to Wohop in the basement in Chinatown and pay for his chop suey. Because, you know, Frank... Frankie, big fat mouth. As you know, Frank uh, had alligator arms then and continues to have alligator arms now. That Frankie ate my apple. Yeah, that that was Angel there. Could I hear Angel again? Boy, she was so sweet on Frank. That Frankie ate my apple. So Frankie ate her apple, which we know what that means. He went into the subterranean world below the navel and... uh, he was kind of sloppy, according to all reports. Sad Frankie, big fat mouth. Yours truly, the Frankster. <laughs> you treddy tour. You went for the honey pot. I did not seat Curtis next to the Gotties at my wedding. They were on opposite ends of the room. They did not interact at all. There was no interaction. And he went dumpster diving below the navel. Oh, my God. An angel, when asked by members of the Gotti clan, what was it like at that moment in which Frank Morano was in bliss, in which his libido finally was operating, she said, mm Let's just be kind to Frank because he remained flaccid and never became turgid. I use my right hand for a great deal. That's obvious, Frank. You had worn it out. There was nothing left for Angel Gotti. Oh, my God. And I had to watch that for four trials. Gotti Jr. skated in all four trials on technicalities. The gunman, Michael Leonardi, grew up in Canarsie, younger than I. Actually, his his, uh, claim to fame was he would use machine guns. His uh, controller, his capo, was uh, little Nick Nick Carrazzo, who I grew up with, hated my guts, and Jojo Carrazzo who became the consigliere of the Gambino crime family. Michael Iannotti was clunk, was chosen to shoot me and kill me. From the, in that cab, the driver, Joey D'Angelo, chosen because he had to prove his loyalties. Not to his mentor, his previous mentor, Sammy the Volcravano, who had eaten the Parmesan cheese and become a member of the witness protection uh, team of the FBI forever busting Italians. But he was going to be the driver. And you know something? When all was said and done, Joey D'Angelo, just days before the trial, became a cooperating witness and told them the story that I had told the court. It was like uh, an absolute match. And Michael Iannotti originally was going to get scheduled for two years by Judge Shira Shinlin, but I gave a witness impact statement that was worthy, Broadway Billy, of a Oscar nomination. It was that good. I was passionate. I was emotional. I looked at that fiend, and I said, I am impaired. Judge Shira Shinlin, 
I may never have the urge to merge again because he shot me right in my three-piece set. And there was a hush that fell over the crowd. Even all the supporters of Michael Iannotti that were there expecting them to get two years probably would have done a year and a half and would have been back in the streets of Canarsie going out there as a hitman for little Nick Nick Carrazzo and Jojo Carrazzo. And instead... This woman who had sided with John Cotty Jr. time and time again as the judge gave him 20 years and said, you did shoot Curtis Lewa. You did try to kill him. And his attorney objected. I object, judge. That's not what he's being sentenced for. She goes, you sit down. This guy is guilty. You're lucky you're not doing triple life without parole. And I say, what? came over her. Then I found out it was right before sundown. Judge Shira Shinlin was a observant Jew, Orthodox Jew. She had to get home. So she had to get out of the chambers and out of the black regal robes so she could stir the empire kosher chicken. Lucky for me. And that dirt bag got 20 years. And he's now out. Yep. Yeah, they had him in Lompoc at the Italian-American Civil Rights League location in uh, outside of Los Angeles. Then he was at Fort Dix. He was at a few other locations. He's out and about. And I know he's listening now, Broadway Bill Lee, all of his sickle fans, toadies and lackeys. They actually have a Michael Iannotti support club saying, oh, he did the right thing by trying to shoot and kill Curtis, that big mouth. It's madness. It's Earthquakes. madness. Ianati, my suggestion to you is you go to Rodman's neck. That's where the cops take their target practice. Uh, it's where um, Orchard Beach meets City Island. Why don't you bone up on your, your target practice? Because little Nick Nick Carrazzo told you first thing, don't try to shoot Sleeve in the head. You're not going to be able to do it. He's, ooh, you, ooh, you, hey, little Nick, this is me, Michael. I'm the assassin, right? I'm the guy who's taken out six guys already. Don't tell me how to do my work. He said, hey, don't try to shoot Slew in the head. So what did he do when he popped up in front of the cab underneath the dashboard? He tried to shoot me in the head, and the bullet missed my head. I don't know if it was because I was doing any Bruce Lee imitations. Wah! Wah! But it flew right back through the window. And then he realized, oh, I got to shoot this guy in his lower extremities and bleed him out. And then put the final bullet in his head. And then I tried to get out of the side of the moving cab. And they had taken it to the chop shop of Carmine Agnello, the son-in-law of uh, John Gotti Sr. And married to the Putan... Victoria Jr. And they had taken it to Jamaica Salvage, which was beyond the right field line of Shea Stadium, the biggest chop shop in all of North America, and they customized it. They took the handles off from the back of the uh, cab and put them back on with crazy glue because little Nick Nick Carrazzo said he's going to try to break out. We know this guy. He's like a cat with nine lives. And I was. And still am. I've used eight of them. 
And I did exactly as little Nick had predicted. I tried to open up the door and jump into incoming traffic. But the handle came off in my hand. And he aerated my lower intestines with five hollow point bullets. And I almost bled out there. The plan was... uh, Avery is in shock here. The plan was to shoot me up, kill me. And then drive that vehicle over to the chop shop on Fountain Avenue of uh, an infamous guy who was the only Gambino guy to be able to wear a beard. They call him Santa Claus. Who was then going to pour me into a vat, a chemical vat, sulfuric acid, and basically eliminate any potential DNA. That was the plot. But by me jumping out of the front window, having been shot multiple times, then fleeing towards the Williamsburg Bridge, then jumping out of the cab, getting into a getaway car, going over the Williamsburg Bridge, throwing the gun into the East River on their way to meet with little Nick Carrazzo, who gave them the payoff and said, you didn't finish the job. The guy was supposed to die. What happened? What do you want? What do you want? Hey, we did what we had to do. Okay. When we come back, we're going to uh, listen to Greg Kelly, who's a holy roller, man who was born again, who time and time again over the years has tried to convince me as son of Ray Kelly that the longest serving police commissioner in the history of New York City, that I should forgive the Gaudis. And then you're going to hear from my Kumbadi Cheech, Rudy Giuliani, who uh, will weigh in on this as my consigliere. And then, Broadway Bill Lee, this is going to make your stomach turn. Frank Morano, friend of the Gaudis, protector of the Gaudis, and especially his sweetheart, Angel, turned on my friend, Long-term caller E. Frank in defense of the Gaudis. You don't want to miss any of this. Whereas Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, mayor of the illegal aliens, was talking about Juneteenth at City Hall on Friday. I could take 10 black guys, go up to them and ask them, what the hell is Juneteenth? Maybe one knows a little bit about it. The others know nothing. It was a holiday that was never at all attended to here in the Northeast sector. I saw it in Milwaukee, patrolling with the Guardian Angels. I saw it in St. Louis, patrolling with the Guardian Angels. Houston and Dallas, patrolling with the Guardian Angels. It was never anything of any consequence here on the East Coast. But now it's become a holiday. For me, there is no holiday on Monday other than the fact that I will realize that it was one shot away from being sent to the hereafter. And lucky, whatever I did initially, Iannotti could not cop me right in my medulla and cerebellum. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. It's another side of midnight. 77 WABC. Oofa. It's 
Another Side of Midnight. Now, to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC, here's Curtis Lewa. One of the four trials against John Gotti Jr. in which he skated on technicalities. In desperation, the meatball Carnese attorney uh, recruited a former guardian angel named Swan, a.k.a. Willie Diaz, who got up on the witness stand and claimed that he had empirical information that, in fact, I had... Convoyed that cab, Broadway Bill Lee. I was driving the cab and that I shot myself while driving down Avenue B in the Lower East Side. And that uh, I had jumped out of that vehicle and landed outside of St. Rita's Church on Avenue B and 6th Street, only to be scraped up off the pavement and brought to Bellevue for an emergency operation by Dr. Leon Pactor and his crew. So the judge actually woke up, stopped playing hearts on the computer, and said to uh, Swan, Now, let me get this uh, straight, Mr. Swan. Uh, Curtis was driving the cab and then shot himself five times in his lower extremities with uh, hollow-point bullets. He said, Yes, Judge, yes. He says, How the hell could he do that? And when he jumped out, what happened to the cab? It just kept going. Well, who was driving the cab? And then he realized how stupid that sounded, got out off the witness stand without being dismissed, and ran out of the courtroom, hasn't been seen since. But anyway, uh, let's go to the conversation that Greg Kelly had with himself the other afternoon. Actually, it was Wednesday afternoon at the end of his program because he's a holy roller. He's immersed in biblical training, the New Testament, you know, turn your cheek, your left took his cheek, your right took his cheek, and forgive and forget. As I've told Greg before, I will never forgive. I will never forget. You know what my big fantasy is? Fantasy. You know what my big wish is? I've told this to Curtis. I've said it out loud. I would love it if there was a um, a come-together moment between the Gaudis and Curtis Sliwa, if Curtis could find it in his heart to forgive the Gaudis. And if the Gaudis, I don't know if they were involved or not, but might apologize for a couple of things. You know, I mean, wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? I think it'd be great. I, I mentioned it to Curtis. He's like, I'm an Old Testament guy. I'm no eye for an But I think one of these days it would be a beautiful thing. And if he can forgive, hey, it's interesting. Just like they got the Godfather five times. They shot him five times and he didn't die. They shot Curtis five times, and he didn't die. Isn't that amazing? What an amazing man, Curtis. All right, so I would love for there to be peace between Curtis and the Gaudis. That'd be great. It's happening. I know people think it's impossible, but anything's possible.
Impossible. Greg, that was the attempt of Frank Morano at his own wedding to Rachel. He didn't even pick me as his best man. He picked that guy, uh, Borelli. And then he sat me and Nancy right next to my enemies. And you got to listen every four hours, you know, to Frank Morano with the other side of midnight so you can rat him out. He actually sat me next to John Gotti Jr. and all the Gambinos there who had daggers in their eyes. Imagine sitting me at his wedding next to my enemy of all enemies. I did not see Curtis next to the Gottis at my wedding. They were on opposite ends of the room. They did not interact at all. There was no interaction. I don't think they saw one another. Uh, the extent, I think, to any interaction they had is Curtis was dancing with his wife on the dance floor, and John Gotti Jr. came over to me, and he said to me, hey, do you think Curtis would mind if I cut in with his wife? Can you believe that, ladies and gentlemen? Can you believe that? Well, then, uh, earlier on Friday, I was substituting for Greg Kelly. And towards the end of the program, I do the handoff to Mike Umbadicic, Rudy Giuliani, who's on from 3 to 4. So the final segment, I asked my consigliere to come in, Rudy Giuliani, to discuss what Greg Kelly, his friend, and my friend, was asking me to do, which is to forgive and forget, turn the cheek, New Testament versus Old Testament, And I left it to Rudy. I said, Rudy, I'll do whatever you suggest. You have been the biggest mob buster of all time. You put into jail all five heads of organized crime, right? Of the Bonanno family, Lucchese family, Colombo family, Genovese family, the enemy of all enemies that I've had, the Gambino family. Didn't have a chance to uh, put into jail the head of the Clinton crime family, Hillary or the Cuomo crime family, Andrew Evilized Cuomo, or now the Biden crime family led by President Joe Biden. But when I mentioned that to Rudy, he was licking his chops saying, you're right, wish I could go after the heads of the three other organized crime families, the Clinton crime family, the Cuomo crime family, and of course, the Biden crime family. Hell no, that's not the godfather, Diego. You know, I'm going to deport you to Mexico. That's the wedding dance. Oh, what a gabon. What a gabon. Uh, This is a song that has become synonymous with uh, Italian organized crime. And there's no person in the world who is better prepared at explaining it than uh, Michael Badici, Rudy Giuliani. In fact, you may have seen the Netflix special Fear City, four episodes. I started it off, uh, Rudy, with the barber who wanted to slice my throat in Bushwick because <laughs> Why I... Why am I laughing? <laughs> that's right. I ratted out so many of the mobsters. Well, you were a crazy kid. <laughs> of course. And then for the next three episodes, it was Rudy and all your investigators uh, wiring up uh, mob places like Christmas trees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were like burglars. And how you put away the five heads of organized crime. No one. 
can even approach what you did as U.S. Attorney for the Southern Districts. Now, our mutual friend, Greg Kelly, has become a real rabid Christian who believes God you, bless him. you must forgive. And in fact, this is what he said yesterday on the cusp of the 31st anniversary when the Gottis tried to kill me on June 19, 1992. We had steaks at Sparks Restaurant. Sparks, made famous, I think most famous. People still associate uh, associate uh, Sparks with John Gotti. And uh, who did he kill? Paul Castellano. Allegedly. Allegedly. I, I, allegedly. All right? I want to underline allegedly. Uh, but that's the rumor. Paul Castellano. Big Paul. Got him right in front of that steakhouse. I think about it every time I go by it. And uh, I remember. It was the winter of, was it 1985, 1986, 1986? I don't know. And it was December, and I uh, got shot. And I remember he had a brand-new pair of shoes on. And he was under. He was going through a trial. And, uh, oh, Wow. Did they ever solve that crime officially? I know they, John Gotti benefited, but I don't think he actually pulled the trigger. I, I don't think so. Nope. Um, how about that? Hey, Victoria Gotti is out there. She's very active in the community. Uh, does a great job. Wrote those books. I think she still writes for the New York Post every now and then. That's uh, interesting. And uh, 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 Junior is uh, is doing fine. You know what my big fantasy is? Fantasy. You know what my big wish is? I've told this to Curtis. I've said it out loud. I would love it if there was a um, a come-together moment between the Gaudis and Curtis Sliwa. If Curtis could find it in his heart to forgive the Gaudis. And if the Gaudis, I don't know if they were involved or not, but might apologize for a couple of things. You know, I mean, wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? I think it'd be great. I've, I've mentioned it to Curtis. He's like, I'm an Old Testament guy. I'm no eye for an But I think one of these days it would be a beautiful thing. And if he can forgive, hey, it's interesting. Just like they got the Godfather five times. They shot him five times and he didn't die. They shot Curtis five times and he didn't die. Isn't that amazing? What an amazing man, Curtis. All right, so I would love for there to be peace between Curtis and the Gaudis. That'd be great. It's happy. I know people think it's impossible, but anything's possible. Mike Kumbadichi, Rudy Giuliani, you came to the hospital room. I did. You saw me. With tubes and every orifice in my body. Um, You're sort of like in between me and Greg. Greg is very religious. I'm not religious at all. I believe in the blood feud vendetta. I want vengeance. (laughs) What would your advice be to me as my consulier? This is very, very tough. This is religion against ethnicity, right? He's got a point about forgiveness. You've got a point about you've got to... uh, You've got to stand up for yourself, and you can't let people push you around. If they think they can, they're just going to destroy you. But I think on this one, ethnicity wins. I just, in fact, I have a suggestion. Uh, pretty soon there'll be, uh, there should be a reenactment of the uh, Hamilton Bird duel. We could go over there. I'll be your second, and one of those gaudy jerk-offs could be, and he could be one of the Gotti jerk-off seconds, and we could have a, a duel. I love that. We For, for charity. You know, right we, over at yeah, Weehawk. That place is still there. We don't have to take the rowboats out there. Yeah, and, and I'll examine, they'll trust me to examine the guns. Yes. I'll be the sole examiner of the guns. Sure. No, I mean, frankly, <laughs> uh, what was Kennedy's expression? On earth, the work of God uh, truly is our own. Yeah, well, God forgives. 
We get even. Let me let me just put it this way. I know this is a very religious audience because they listen to uh, Greg, who recites. Oh, I love Greg. Biblical this passage. is not meant in any way. I just love Greg, and I love you. And then you, you guys have a different view on. Let this. me just say. God damn the Gotties. I hope they all go to hell without an asbestos suit like Gotti Senior and burn in perpetuity. You know, I'm going to tell I'm going to tell uh, people something about Gotti. Uh, he is one of the worst of the mafia guys. There were certain mafia guys, and I listened to 4,000 hours of these guys talking on tape, that didn't like killing. He liked killing. He enjoyed it. He was a sadist. Our numbers, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. You heard it from the man who put more mobsters choking on their lobsters away in federal prison than any other prosecutor in the history of the Department of Justice. Michael Baticic, Rudy Giuliani. When we come back, I could not believe what I heard I had been tipped off. Frank Murano in the 4 o'clock hour, Friday morning, an hour before he had to turn it over to Noam Layden, was actually chastising and beating up a long-term listener and caller, E. Frank, from Astoria, Queens, on this very matter. And he wasn't coming to my defense, as some people assumed that he was. Clear the wax out of your ears. This guy viciously continued his attack against me, and viciously attacked our lifelong caller. True patriot, law and order guy, one who's always supporting the cops at the 114th Precinct, E. Frank. It's another side of midnight, 77 WABC. It's another side of midnight. Now, to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC, here's Curtis Lewa. I'm from East New York, I'm from East New York, I'm from East New York. We're the guns through the talk, we're the guns through the talk, we're the guns through the talk. East New York, Brooklyn, I'm from East New York. Yeah, the homies rule it now. But at one point, up on Rockaway and Fulton, was the Gotti Boys. And then over at the Linwood Diner, still there, great diner. The feds had it wired up like a Christmas tree because that was the Gotti's hangout. And right behind it, they had the hole where they would bury the bodies of their organized crime victims. Well, I thought for sure the other morning, it was about at 4.20 in the morning, Friday morning, before Frank passes off the 50,000 pound for watch of sound for the 5 o'clock news hour with our news director, Noam Layden. Frank uh, took a call from E. Frank, who's been a lifelong listener and lifelong caller. And notice, instead of defending my honor, Frank Morano went on the attack against one of our longest listeners and uh, longest callers in to the many talk shows. E. Frank is in Astoria. Hello, E. Frank. Yes, uh, Frank. Uh, I'm uh, very, very disappointed in what you said and, uh, and, and you in part because... Well, now you know how I feel when you call in. Well, you know, when you say that John Gotti is one of the most 
undisputed, one of the most reputable. No, I did not say reputable. I said best known. You know, these uh, gangsters are unpredictable. You know, by the way, E. Frank, E. Frank, you know, since you want to bring this up, Victoria Gotti Sr. told me that you used to call her house incessantly and basically harass her all the time and always play the auxiliary police officer card. And she actually used to reach out to me saying, who is this lunatic calling me all the time? Did you, in fact, call her repeatedly? Uh, I, it, yes, I did, because I'm a good friend of Curtis Fleetwood. The, uh, so, first... Let me tell you, you're not doing Curtis any favors. You know, if you're a friend of Curtis, what you want to do is avoid getting him shot. That's what you want to do. A good way not to get Curtis Fleetwood shot is to repeatedly call John Gotti's wife ah! at all hours. And and give her a hard time ranting on all the time, going on and on and on about nothing. If anything, if anything, it's going to make it more likely that Curtis gets shot. You're not doing him any favors there. And he, Frank, I, I, you know, to paraphrase Lloyd Benson, I know Curtis Lewa. Curtis Lewa is a friend of mine. Uh, I think Curtis could do just as well without your friendship in this regard, E. Frank. Thank you. 800-848-9222. Gary is in. You know what, though? I give E. Frank credit. At least he didn't pretend that he didn't repeatedly call and harass her. At least he owned up to that. But let me give you. The, I, I keep a list of instructions on my phone. Oh. I call them. They're kind of my guide to life. I call them collectively the Morano method. And I'm going to add this, right, to the Morano method. Victoria Gotti Sr., wonderful lady, friend of mine, she is the widow of a mob boss, the sister-in-law of a mob boss, the sister-in-law of a mob captain, the sister-in-law of a mob soldier, and the mother of a mob boss. Why in the world would you repeatedly call and harass her? I mean, it's just not a not a good not a good guide. Part of the Morano method is don't do. Well, they cut him off. What happened? They gave him a brush. He should have continued to talk his way into a burial plot for me. He disparaged a lifelong caller to WABC, E. Frank. From Astoria, a man who I recently saw at a 114th precinct council meeting gave me tactical air support. Told the crowd, "This is this guy's great. The guardian angels are great." As we took on AOC, Olaf Crazy, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, and her mini me, Tiffany Caban, who not only wanted to defund the police more want to destroy the police and destroy jails like Rikers, where in the case of uh, Tiffany Caban, she voted along with the majority, 39 out of 52 councilmen, to uh, cap the jail population at 3,500, period. 3,500. You could see that... uh, Boy, is he so defensive for Victoria Gotti Sr., so defensive. Oh, what, she can't defend herself? Come on, Frank. 
He's such a sycophant, Tony and Lackey, other Gottis. It's sickening. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to George in Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, George. Hi there. Curtis, uh, regarding Frank, uh, he mentioned that uh, somehow, you know, Mark the Muslim came up on his show and then he said that uh, uh, he was being bashed by Mark Simone. Then I called, uh, you know, inquiring, uh, you know, to provide examples, one or two, you know, how. Uh, then he just hung up on me, basically, changing the subject first and then eventually hanging up on me within a minute or two. And regarding that the question you asked about Tony Parker, he was born in Bruges, uh, Belgium, and he played for the French national team as well as San Antonio, um, a point guard, of course. He was a great player. Uh, so, uh, basically, I was wondering, do you have any notion as to what's going on between uh, Frank Marano and uh, Mark Simone regarding the feud between them? Well, I will tell you this, uh, George. At one point, Frank Marano uh, viewed uh, Mark Simone in this business of talk radio as a mentor. When you would go to the old WABC work uh, area, uh, Frank Morano actually had on his screen, as a screensaver, a picture of Mark Simone. He used to go to lunch with Mark Simone, and Mark would teach him all about the business and tell him the history. Nobody knows more about radio and the history of radio than Mark Simone. And then they had a falling out. I don't know the exact nature of the falling out, but it has been bitter ever since. Bitter ever since, George. Okay. Now, another thing I have is regarding the Venezuelans who are pouring into this country. In fact, many of them, the vast majority of them, are flying from uh, from Argentina, where they were given uh, refugee status, allowed to work, live there, work there, etc. There are about 250,000 of them, quarter of a million. And uh, how come uh, uh, what we have to do is simply uh, instantaneously deport those because there's no point at all. They got asylum. They're in uh, uh, the vast majority of them from Venezuela. In uh, uh, They got asylum uh, statuses in uh, Argentina. And then they got uh, some others got in Uruguay and Paraguay and so forth. Southern, uh, you know, uh, South America mostly. Uh, so what's going on? How can we are allowing them to, uh, you know, uh, uh, come to the U.S. as refugees uh, in view of the fact, of course, they've heard uh, uh, through the grapevine that uh, here in the U.S. you don't even have to work, you know. You uh, live here and get all the benefits, etc., uh, for up to God knows how long, a year maybe, longer until you get a work permit, and then thereafter, if uh, all you have to do is claim you're, uh, you know, not well uh, physically or mentally and get on SSI. Or yeah, yeah, like no, that. no, all you got to do is say the one magic word, asylum, asylum, asylum. All these uh, bleeding hearts want to welcome the um, 
illegals in claim, oh, they're asylum seekers, asylum seekers. And yet, when you stop some of these so-called asylum sneakers, seekers, who are trying to bum rush into the country, uh, continuing the wave of illegal immigration, the invasion continues. They have memorized that one word, asylum, asylum. And they tell that to everybody at Checkpoint Charlie, any of the feds. In fact, they're dicing it up a little bit. They're actually uh, turning things around there in terms of who's going to do intervention, who is going to challenge the credibility of these asylum seekers, as Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, calls them. But I will tell you, I will continue to travel throughout the tri-state area, continue to report on uh, hotels, no-tells, motels, and Holiday Inn Expresses. I will continue to uh, point out how there is no need for this uber-technical paperwork it gets spit out by these machines nowadays. There's no need for that whatsoever. Anyway, from Frank Morano, the Utreditor, we go back to Chavez Ravine, Los Angeles Stadium, the game between the San Francisco Giants, the Los Angeles Dodgers, and the dancing and prancing of these Fugazi nuns who were clearly receiving an award for what, I don't know, but then began to attack many of the people that were supporting them. Oh, it's going to be hot and heavy. It's like nothing you've heard before on AM radio, active-minded radio, right here at WABC, my place to be. Check this out. On the weekend, take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa.
Great song. Whenever Hulk Hogan would enter the ring for the old WWF, this was his theme song. That was fantasy. But now we have to deal with the reality of what this song equates to. And I'd like to uh, first assign this classic song of being a real American. For somebody who was born and raised on the Upper East Side, you never would think he was a tough guy. Never was. A man who was known uh, to love to uh, inhale his fair share of weed, illegal over the years, but now legal in most, most places for the recreational use of marijuana. We're talking about John Sterling, broadcaster for the New York Yankees, who took a licking, came back ticking. At the belt. Now the... 3-2, swung on, a pop foul back here. Ow! 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 It really hit me. I didn't know it was coming back that far. So once again, it'll be a 3-2. Notice, he didn't miss a beat. I need to hear that again. Is that a, a, a man, a man's man? I mean, right, he hit him right solid in the medulla and cerebellum. He had a big knot on his head but he didn't go down for the count at the belt and now the three two swung on a pop foul back here ow. 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 it really hit me i didn't know it was coming back that far so once again it'll be a three two the pitch to Stanton. There it goes. Deep left. It is high. It is far. That is God out of the ballpark. A Stantonian home run. Now, wh what, did, what did I do wrong? What did I see wrong? He's at first base. <laughs> A blast from the past from Phil Rizzuto, remember? It would say, oh, it's gone, it's gone. And then it was, uh, they call the infield fly rule the umpire because it was a pop-up a little bit behind the second base. And either the shortstop or the uh, second baseman would uh, shag it on the fly or the center fielder would come running in and shag it. And then Phil would say, holy cow, how did I miss that one? Comes with age, John Sterling, but we salute you. You are a real American hero. Swung on and hit in the air, the deep center. Fetch back, away back. She is gone. A Judgian blast. He hit one into Monument Park. A Judgian blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Oh, let's calm down a little bit there, John. Let's calm down. His testosterone is crashing through his cranium. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Also in contention for the Macho Maniacal Award here on the Curtis Lee Show, The Other Side of Midnight, is a man who for three years practiced diligently. Oh, as difficult as it was. He had to go to drag queen show after drag queen show contest. In the outer suburbs, outside of Rio de Janeiro, almost halfway between Sao Paulo and Rio de Janeiro. 
his name, you know, infamously Congressman George Santos, who has not told uh, the truth about anything in his life from birth to what we hope will soon be his exit stage left, but he still remains like a bad stain on the soul of the Republican Party. His image will be used against those seeking re-election in Congress who are Republicans who upset Democrats in this last cycle. And, oh, boy, are they going to come at them with a vengeance. In fact, they're going to have to answer the George Santos question again and again and again and again and again. And most definitely what he said about the New York Mets. At the very start of the season, he did a video, and if I were a Met fan, which I'm not, thank God, because I hate the Met fans, I hate the Mets, and I hate their crooked owner, Steve Cohen, who should be in jail for insider trading information. But what he did on opening day for the Mets this year doomed them to basement Bertha. Hey, guys, today is opening day. As a good old Mets fan, I know you guys aren't going to be playing until April 6th back home, but in good old fashion, let's go Mets! What do you feel like, Mets fans, knowing that your number one fan, your number one cheerleader as a drag queen on the sidelines? Is the fake, phony, fraudulent, fugazi Congressman George Santos, who did that video on opening day at Citi Field, was wearing a throwback Mike Piazza jersey, the Italian Stallion jersey. Because remember, a lot of folks assume that Mike uh, Mike Piazza was hanging out with uh, Stormfield. What was it, Stormfield? No, I think I got the wrong guy, you know, the wrong pretty boy who does the weather. Channel 7 Eyewitness News. Ladies and gentlemen, who am I talking about? Who was it alleged, rumored? And Mike Piazza, the Italian stallion, uh, was uh, hanging out with in a uh, Amor Amor capacity, who was also the weather guy for Good Morning America and uh, ABC uh, Channel 7 Eyewitness News. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. I might add that Mike Piazza lived over in Alpine for a while. I don't know where he lives now. No addresses in Alpine. If you're, a, if you're a, with the United States Postal Service and you're trying to deliver packages or letters, how the hell do you do it? There's no, no addresses on any of the buildings. It's so upscale. It's so affluent an area. They don't even have addresses. Mike Piazza was known to like to do a curtsy and a plie and like ballet and participate in ballet. So I don't know. Can I hear that uh, that uh, drag queen's ode to the New York Mets offering them good luck? Congressman George, it's time for you to go, Santos. Hey, guys. Today is opening day. As a good old Mets fan, I know you guys aren't going to be playing until April 6th back home. But in good old fashion, let's go Mets. Oh, God. I was walking around and everyone was staring and I was like, oh, okay, what's going on? And they were all staring directly at my crotch. And I went, oh, I forgot that my crotch doesn't look like other women's crotches sometimes because mine doesn't look like a little Barbie pocket. Peekaboo, we see you. By the way, notice Dylan Mulvaney, 
the Instagram influencer who was responsible for almost the total destruction of Bud Light. It's like nobody will drink it even if you give it to them for free, not even winos and alcoholics. But I want you to listen to both voices. They sound almost eerily similar. Dylan Mulvaney, the influencer who uh, promoted drinking Bud Light as they sent her a customized can with a ufacha on it. And George Santos, the drag queen, uh, who is the congressman uh, for the uh, 3rd Congressional District, which is the North Shore of Long Island, and yes, uh, part of Whitestone in Queens. Listen to both. I was walking around, and everyone was staring. And I was like, oh, okay, what's going on? And they were all staring directly at my crotch. And I went, oh, I forgot that my crotch doesn't look like other women's crotches sometimes because mine doesn't look like a little Barbie pocket. Hey, guys. Today is opening day. As a good old Mets fan, I know you guys aren't going to be playing until April 6th back home, but in good old fashion, let's go Mets! Mets fans, the curse of George Santos is upon you, and that's why your season has been almost a complete disaster. I, I see you won your game last night, and the Yankees got clobbered by the uh, the dreaded Red Sox. But come on, let's be honest, man. This has been a curse upon the Mets by George Santos, who knew nothing at all about baseball, just decided to put on a throwback Mike Piazza jersey to F with all of you out there, right? Come on. Let's be honest. Good old-fashioned. Let's go, Mets! God, shut up. You know, I hate the Mets. I hate Mets fans. I hate their owner, operator. Stephen Cohen, who should be in jail for insider trading information. White-collar crime. Oh, God, I, I hate that guy, George Santos. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go, Mets! God. You, you Mets fans deserve that. You really do. Mets, you deserve George Santos as your cheerleader. I can just see him uh, on the sidelines as a cheerleader. Let's go, Mets. It's opening day. As a good old Mets fan, I know you guys aren't going to be playing until April 6th back home, but in good old fashion, let's go, Mets. God, the curse of George Santos the transformer, transvestite, transgender is upon you. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So I recently told my parents that I may be a little bit romantically interested in women. And that was a big shock for them considering the past 10 years of coming out as gay, then queer, then non-binary, then trans. And I think it was just a bit of a shock. Bit of a shock, yeah. I can imagine for mom and pops, a bit of a shock. Your little boy here, Dylan Mulvaney, wants to grow mammary glands and get eventually my three-piece set chopped off and then put in a bowl of chop suey. Oh, my God. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And as you know, the main focus was on L.A. Dodgers Stadium 
Chavez Ravine in the Echo Park section of Los Angeles. And it had to do because the San Francisco Giants were visiting. They were playing and ended up actually beating the Dodgers who were ahead in leaps and bounds. I mean, the pitcher uh, that I observed seemed like a rookie. He's throwing almost a no-hitter and then uh, got whisked away by, uh, by uh, oh, can we call him? Man, uh, mm, no, no, we can't really call him that. Ah! It's because it's gone. But rather, it became a night of the transgenders, the drag queens at uh, Chavez Ravine in Los Angeles in Echo Park. And it was our own Rita Cosby who took on Suzanne the Man. From Washington Heights, Suzanne the man apparently has gone through transition. But she was prepared to defend her peeps against the inquiring mind of, uh, man, I don't know how he gets away with this one. Ah! Our number is 1-800-848-9222. The inquiring, questioneering of Rita Cosby against Stan the Man from Washington Heights, who definitely sounds like he or she or they are already in transition or have made the complete change. But to a degree, he was she, they, defending my honor. Uh, Let's go to Suzanne, line two. Suzanne, your thoughts about all this. Oh, God. Well, first of all, get a sense of humor about this. Gay boys and the Catholic Church have a very complex relationship because they go to school. 10% of the population is gay. So the families that you see tonight, 10% of these people will be gay. They can't help. It's just what they are. It shouldn't be helped. Suzanne, hang on. Suzanne, and I'll let you go further. First off, I'm not even talking about someone's sexuality. People have a right to do whatever they want to do. That's not where we're talking about. What we're talking about is a group that is openly mocking and that they're dressed up as nuns. Uh, they're like uh, doing sex acts. Uh, they're dressed up as Jesus Christ doing sex acts to a cross. I, I find that deeply offensive. And I find it just disgusting at a ball game. You know, I, I mean, this is not the place at a Dodgers ball game where kids go and other people go. I mean, you think that's appropriate? Go ahead. How many children died today after they saw those people? <laughs> Do they have any bodies taken yet? Uh, yes, like a mass shooting? I'm telling you, I knew a group of parish priests who lived on... In what, is that, what are you talking about, a mass shooting? What do you mean, like it's, it's, it doesn't harm anyone? You think it's okay for like a 10-year-old kid to see that? Or a 9-year-old kid or a 6-year-old kid? That's who goes to the ballpark. Go ahead. I think the kid will survive. No, really, come on. Oh, I, now, I think, right. by the I way, with, uh, Suzanne, I'm not sure what world you're living in, but a lot of people would find that deeply offensive. And I think that there's better people to pick for Pride Night. I, I Like, I don't have a problem if they want to honor Pride Night. I think Pride Night is the message of Pride Night is to be inclusive. It's like when you have another night, it's, it's to be inclusive. You don't pick the most offensive group. I think what it does is it repels people from trying to be unifying. It says, Oh, these are like a bunch of freaks. And and as opposed to, oh, gosh, you know, this is what a beautiful tribute. What a beautiful this. 
uh, there's ways to do it. You pick this group. You think that this represents uh, trans. I have friends, by the way, uh, who are who are gay. They are they're offended tonight. But you're clearly not. You think it's great. I don't think it's great. I just think it's like satire. I know you're watching it. Daniel Rule of parish priests from Long Island and the Judge Tom area who are all gay, and they used to they go to this guy's apartment and put towels on their head and sing Tantum Ergo in, with obscene parody lyrics. I only heard about this. But, but Suzanne, and, and by the way, I haven't heard about that, but, but it, that's not in public. That's a little different than sitting there at Dodger Stadium with tens of thousands of people and millions watching around the world. And and you're doing this this bizarre. You think it's okay that they're like doing whatever they're doing to the cross, and that's who they pick for a community hero? That's a community loser. Go ahead. Christ is mad about starving children and mass shootings and three people having more money than the bottom fifty percent. So I don't think he's too. He's a nice guy, Christ. He can take a joke. Well, yeah. and and uh, it sounds like you got a direct line there, Suzanne. <laughs> wow, Suzanne, the man. Defending the honor of cross-dressers, transvestites, transgenders, transformers. Against uh, Rita Cosby, who was very bent out of shape over Suzanne the man, declaring that she wanted to promote homosexuality and also conduct uh, more outreach in her state of Ohio because she also has the responsibility of opening up proper access to uh, the uh, pool and the uh, fund for radicals uh, that is um, growing as we speak. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. It's another side of midnight. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Let's go, Max! You deserve it, Met fans. Having a mascot who is a cross-dressing drag queen congressman liar from birth to when he dies, George Santos. No wonder why your season has gone kaput. He put the curse of the drag queens on you. George Santos. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Whose side were you on? Rita Cosby, who took on Suzanne the Man. Suzanne the Man uh, taking on all the accoutrements of being a woman. Can I hear the beginning of that, please? It was a titanic battle between Rita Cosby, a real woman, and Suzanne, the man from Washington Heights, in transition to become a full woman. Uh, let's go to Suzanne, line two. Suzanne, your thoughts about all this. Oh, God. Well, first of all, get a sense of humor about this. Gay boys and the Catholic Church have a very complex relationship because they go to school, 10% of the population is gay. So the families that you see tonight, 10% of these people will be gay. They can't help. It's just what they are. It shouldn't be helped. Suzanne, I mean, I, hang on, Suzanne, and I'll let you go further. First off, I, I'm not even talking about someone's sexuality. People have a right to do whatever they want to do. That's not where we're talking about. What we're talking about 
is a group that is openly mocking and that they're dressed up as nuns. Uh, they're like uh, doing sex acts. Uh, they're dressed up as Jesus Christ doing sex acts to a cross. I, I find that deeply offensive. And I find it just disgusting at a ball game. You know, I, I mean, this is not the place at a Dodgers ball game where kids go and other people go. I mean, you think that's appropriate? Go ahead. How many children died today after they saw those people? <laughs> Do they were any bodies taken yet? Yes, like a mass shooting. I'm telling you, I knew a group of parish priests who lived on. In what is that? What are you talking about? A mass shooting? What do you mean? Like it's, it's it doesn't harm anyone? You think it's okay for like a ten year old kid to see that, or a nine year old kid, or a six year old kid? That's who goes to the ballpark. Go ahead. I think the kid will survive. No, really, come on. Oh, I, I think, by the way, Suzanne, I'm not sure what world you're living in, but a lot of people would find that deeply offensive. And I think that there's better people to pick for Pride Night. I, I Like, I don't have a problem if they want to honor Pride Night. I think Pride Night is the message of Pride Night is to be inclusive. It's like when you have another night, it's it's to be inclusive. You don't pick the most offensive group. I think what it does is it repels people from trying to be unifying. It says. Oh, these are like a bunch of freaks. And and as opposed to, oh, gosh, you know, this is what a beautiful tribute. What a beautiful this. Uh, there's ways to do it. You pick this group. You think that this represents uh, trans. I have friends, by the way, uh, who are who are gay. They are they are offended tonight. But you're clearly not. You think it's great. I don't think it's great. I just think it's like satire. I know you're watching it. Yeah, I knew a group of parish priests from Long Island and the Judge Town area who are all gay. And they used to they go to this guy's apartment and put towels on their head and sing Tantum Ergo with obscene parody lyrics. I only heard about this. But One but Suzanne, and, and by the way, I haven't heard about that, but but it, that's not in public. That's a little different than sitting there at Dodger Stadium with tens of thousands of people and millions watching around the world. And and you're doing this this bizarre. You think it's okay that they're like doing whatever they're doing to the cross? And that's who they pick for a community hero? That's a community loser. Go ahead. Christ is mad about starving children and mass shootings and three people having more money than the bottom 50%. So I don't think he's too – he's a nice guy, Christ. He can take a joke. Well, yeah, yeah, and, and uh, it sounds like you got a direct line there, Susan. <laughs> wow. Let me tell you something. There was Suzanne the man putting up a very spirited defense. For the transgenders, the cross-dressers, the transvestites, the transformers of the world. Saying no biggie, no biggie. Hmm. Wonder what Suzanne the Man would have thought of all those years. J. Edgar Hoover would visit the rectory at St. Patrick's Cathedral. When the Cardinal Spellman was there and they were known to have dressed up and frolicked about like women. Drag queens. Yes. Yes. Dad Hoover. Yes. Cardinal Spellman. Yes. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Joanne in New Rochelle. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Joanne. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Curtis. Hi, Rita. I have to say that uh, I think it's disgusting and offensive as can be, as hell. I am so upset about it. I'm also very disturbed that in New Rochelle here, little old New Rochelle, they are having today at 11 o'clock a drag queen come in his garb 
totally, to read stories to three and up year olds, three year old, four year old, five year olds. Imagine that. Now, I'd like to get there myself just to see how many idiotic parents are going to bring their children to see that. They think this is okay? Yes, yes, Joanne, uh, they do. I, I, you know what? It's very sick, and I we have to do something about it. Who's a transgender teaching our kids about about whatever they're talking about? So yeah, no, no. There's but, quite a bit of opposition, like yeah, you have, Joanne. But you have Suzanne, the man who is defending uh, the right of the transgender, the transvestite, the crossdresser, the whatever to do whatever they do. By the way, uh, at Chavez Ravine earlier tonight, Los Angeles uh, lost to the San Francisco uh, Giants. But that the uh, Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence were giving their award in an empty stadium an hour before uh, individuals even got there. An hour before Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence were given an indulgence, so to speak. one 800 Let's go to Maria calling from Flanders. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Maria. Good morning, Curtis. I'm next. You're so adorable. You make me laugh. And I'm glad you survived that shooting. Every time you tell that story, it's, it's incredible. Because I wouldn't be able to enjoy you today as I listen to you. Curtis, you're phenomenal. You make me laugh. Quick question. Are you giving away any of those kitties that you had born in your home? Yes. Uh, pretty soon, Nancy will be posting them. Uh, okay. Their, their names, and she's socializing them now, getting them used to being with uh, humans and making yeah. sure they've had all their medical needs met with a vet, Dr. Nasa, who's out in Brooklyn. Once that's done, yeah, she'll be posting inquiries okay. in terms of people who are willing to adopt at least two. She believes oh, in okay. adopting two kittens, uh, not right. one. And then a quick story, um, Curtis, quick, because I know you know Manhattan so well. Uh, do you remember, like, back in the 70s, late 70s, you know 34th Street and 10th Avenue around? Do you remember that area? Can you put yourself back then? Oh, sure. Oh, sure. That's uh, not far from uh, the Jacob Javits Convention Center. Yes. Yes. My father had a, uh, my father had a, a hero place. Unfortunately, there was a man that was shot and killed and iced in front of my father's place. It was a, it was a, uh, a hero place. And I don't know if you remember the name of it, and maybe I don't have to tell you, but uh, he was there for a long time. He had heroes and sandwiches, coffee and stuff like that. He was self-employed. But um, ironically, the man that was killed in front of my father's place in the late 70s was a neighbor of ours where we grew up. It was just a kind of weird story. Anyway, I haven't thought about that story. It, it reminds me of the story that you tell, you, different situation. Sure. But anyway, Curtis, um, you're phenomenal. You, okay. you just... You're just so cool, and I wish you all the love with your wife and, and everything like that in this world. It's okay. just phenomenal. Well, thank you. Thank you, Maria. Maria. Let's go to Richard calling from Texas. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Richard. Good morning, Curtis. Midland, Texas, home of oil and gas that supplies 50% all produced here, 
that makes WABC and everything else run, and these uh, dumb Marxist Democrats running the blue cities in the United States don't even realize anything about capitalism because they got their head in the sand thinking of Marxism. Brilliant, brilliant. Midland, Texas. Texas. Sam Champion is the weatherman, if I'm not mistaken. That is correct, correct. Sam Champion, who seemed to have had quite the relationship with uh, the Italian stallion Mike Piazza in his prime with the Mets. I think one time they were trying to find Mike Piazza. Uh, He was uh, missing, and they went over to Sam Champion, the weatherman of uh, Channel 7 Eyewitness News, and... uh, Sam opened the door, and who was there sitting uh, with his, um, well, let's just, his own personal, uh, not garb, but uh, his tar paper uh, hanging out, apparently was the Italian stallion. Going to break the hearts of so many uh, New York Mets. Mike Piazza. Let's go to Jerry. No, go ahead, Richard. Just one last thing. And, uh, and uh, this uh, Jordan Neely, who was uh, killed, why is it all the conservatives, is everybody just afraid to tell the truth? Why is it everybody says what a tragedy that he died? If he didn't already kill somebody that we don't know about, with all his violence, 44 arrests it takes, he's still not in jail. He serves very little jail time. The only time he would go to jail is when he killed someone. And I can assure you, he was on his way to killing someone. I think we can all agree. So I don't look at it as a tragedy. I look at it as he got his comeuppance. That's hmm. what I believe, and that's what I think. And I would please, I don't believe anyone's being sincere when they call his death a tragedy. And that's, I don't believe it. It's, it's, no, you know, it understood. Yes. Well, uh, according yes. to his own but language. You have to do it. You have to do it because you don't want to get in trouble saying the truth. No, no, no. I will say the truth. I totally concur. We have another case uh, now that's uh, taking place. I'll go more into that case. Within 24 hours, as Jordan Williams uh, ended up stabbing an emotionally disturbed guy who was harassing everyone in his J train car on its way to Marcy Avenue, where he ended that ex-con's uh, life, who was yelling that he was going to erase someone before Jordan Williams pulled out a knife and stabbed into death. Uh, he was not uh, given any bail. He was released on his own recognizance. He's being charged with second-degree murder by Eric Gonzalez, the inept district attorney of Kings County in Brooklyn, who has a policy that if you're a first-time uh, uh, guy or gal arrested for possession of a loaded 9 millimeter with clips and you don't kill anybody or maim anybody... You're not going to get arrested and tossed in jail. You're going to be put into remediation. And what that is, is you go out to Red Hook, you sit down with a counselor once a week for a month, you cross your heart, you hope to die, that you're not going to get arrested again, you swear off on it, and they send you to a nearby pizzeria where you get a slice and a Coke and you just chill. That is crazy. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. It's another side of midnight. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. You're my 
Classic. Big day in Coney Island, 41st annual Mermaid Day Parade, in which you will see men, women, transgenders, transvestites, transformers, non-binary, whatever the term is, parading uh, down uh, Neptune and then onto the boardwalk uh, in uh, what can only be described as a scene of total debauchery. Yes. Women and men with their mammary glands exposed with little sparkle, uh, what do you call those? A little, uh, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, yeah, you know, covering their, uh, uh, their nipples or whatever they call that. And they parade up and down and they dance and they uh, dressed like, um, like uh, sirens who used to lure the seamen to crash into the rocks. Amazing. And they spend a lot of time developing these costumes, not quite as much as I saw in Rio de Janeiro and other parts of Brazil where everybody works uh, ahead of time to try to prepare their floats and their costumes for the annual Carnival in Rio. No, not like that, but they work hard. A lot of them come from the Berg, Williamsburg, NoHo, all those areas. They love Coney Island. A lot of hipsters and millennials. And a lot of people who like to watch the pageantry because there's really nothing like it. And I remember in the year 2000, I was chosen King Neptune. And I was dressed like, uh, basically like uh, the Pharaoh. And you know who my queen was? Queen Latifah. And I thought there would be that sort of like that crystallization, that urge to merge, that bonding of ebony and ivory. Yet, Broadway Billy and Avery, she basically looked upon me having uh, come from East Orange in Newark, having worked with uh, OPP, as you know, you and me. And clearly, without having to explain it, indicated she... Really dug women and not guys, you know. So uh, let's turn down. And at the end of the long walk, I was not wearing any sandals. I was bare feet. It was like 120 degrees in in the shade. I was walking along the asphalt, burned the bottoms of my feet almost to the point where they were not uh, repairable. So we get onto the beach, and then in a very debaucherous, uh, decadent, uh, hedonistic way, she had uh, carried along with her uh, a basket of fruits, all different kind of fruits, and she would toss it into the ocean. And then it was my job as King Neptune to swim out, retrieve it, and bring it back, which gave me temporary relief. Except it caused my feet to bubble even more once I got out. Oh, man, was I in pain. Ah! Let's go, if we can, to uh, Mario's calling from uh, New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mario. How are you, Curtis? Good morning. Yes, good morning, Mario. First of all, it's Mario, formerly from Yonkers. We spoke many times before. I was the mayoral a Republican candidate for mayor back in Yonkers in 2019. 
So, I mean, I don't have to tell you about Yonkers, how things went for that. And I also said formerly of Yonkers, I moved out. Where'd Yonkers you, got where, where, really, really tough. Where'd you move Sorry? to? Where'd you move to, Mario? Uh, Mahopak, or as we call it, Mayapak. That's right. New Jersey. Oh, Mayapak, New York, Republican country. Oh, you mean on the border with New Jersey, right? No, on the border of Connecticut, more by Yorktown, that area. Wow, man, my divining rod is really off here. What the hell happened to me, Mario? Anyway, you and I grew up together in the Bronx. I mean, you and I are a few months apart. I'll be 69 in August, and I remember you at the McDonald's. I was working my way through school and college. I went to Bronx Community College. And my whole career was in the Bronx, 149th Street, 3rd Avenue. And uh, I've been retired for five years, and now I'm a retread. I go back two days a week to help my former company out. Anyway, what value are we teaching our children and our grandchildren? What the heck is wrong with the people in this country? Don't they see what's going on? I mean, is it only guys like me and you, guys who are in our 60s, 70s, that see that they are tearing this country apart? I mean, we've instilled values in our children, and we put them through college and hopefully gave them better lives than what we had. But we're a dying breed, pal. I'm bodies like you. My family came from Canarsie, settled in the Bronx. Uh, my grandparents were icemen and oilmen, and we worked hard to have what we have in this country. And there's just no value anymore. I mean, what do we keep? We're giving away stuff. Boys are girls, girls are boys. I mean, what the hell is going on, Curtis? Now, question, when you were in Yonkers, where were you residing? I was on the uppermost east side of Yonkers, uh, probably about a mile north of McLean Avenue. Oh, okay. All right, that's the border. I ran a tough tough race, but uh, you couldn't win as a Republican in Yonkers. The Spanos have it locked in. And now they're even in more trouble. He's running for a fourth term. Yeah, They've overturned term limits. It's in bad shape, Yankees. No, I know, uh, Mario. In fact, uh, he's got two, um, $2 million payroll of all of his relatives. And then his number one lobbyist is his brother. It's corruption central. So uh, I wish I could have uh, helped you, uh, Mario, when you were attempting to uh, upset the uh, corruption cart. But I will be helping uh, the Republican running now, Councilman Anthony Marante, uh, as I uh, host a fundraiser for him uh, this coming, I believe it's Wednesday the 21st. I'll be giving our listeners more details. we got to destroy that Sano corruption machine, Mike Sano. Crook, he put in a... uh, they put in the illegal aliens from New York City in that uh, no-tell motel uh, there on Tuckahoe Road, and he basically was squawking. He was just looking to get his piece of the kickback action. Now they're doing it in White Plains, too. The mayor there is saying, oh, oh, I welcome them all from New York City. Watch. He's got his beak in the trough. He's going to want a lot of kickback action. But notice, they haven't sent him to Larchmont or Scarsdale or Mamaronek or Armonk or Chappaqua, the whitest suburb in America where even the lawn jockeys are white, where the love shack is there, Hillary's residence and Bill uh, Clinton's residence, and they have uh, a house right next to them. It was supposed to be for the uh, for the Secret Service if Hillary had gotten elected in 2016. It's empty. It's a perfect place to send the illegal aliens.
Set the example, Bill and Hillary. Do as I say and as I do. Anyway, let's go to Jerry in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Jerry. Good morning, Curtis. I want to call you and wish you a happy Father's Day. Oh, and I'll thank talk you. to you about a couple other things. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I do intend on trying to uh, meet up with all my sons on uh, Sunday. Anthony, my oldest, uh, who's... Uh, Stepfather is uh, my husband-in-law, former Governor David Patterson, and then there's Carter and Hunter. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going to try to score the trifecta on Father's Day. Now, Pat Amelia from the Hudson Media Group, he's waiting for you to come back on his TV show. He told me to tell you. Oh well, wait. Well, at the end of it, uh, stay on the line. You give your information to Avery because I don't have his information. I'll certainly contact him because I want to be promoting uh, Councilman okay, Anthony and, Morante um, for mayor. Steve Fulop will be the governor of New Jersey. Why do you now, say that? I'm why, gonna, why do you this say is that? My prediction. Yes. Another. Um, this is my prediction. Yes. Not him. We've never discussed it. We talk about a lot of things, but. Once he becomes governor, he's going to serve two terms, and then he's going to go to the White House. That's my prediction. Mine. No, no, Jerry, Jerry, hold on a second. Because he's a graduate, another one of goldmine sacks, where when you walk in the door, they sell you the stock, shake your hand, and then the moment you walk out the door, they short the stock. uh, They They all do it. They all do it. Banks are legal thieves. I know, but, uh, Jerry, why Steve Fulop? Why him? Because I know him, and he's a friend a long time before he got into politics. Ooh, so and I feel that he will be able to do it. So you are a friend of Steve Fulop's, like our yes, news I director, am. Noam Layden, is, who has been seen in a hot tub with Steve Fulop up in the heights of Jersey City, where they both have their homes. That don't mean nothing if you're in a hot tub with somebody. Don't mean nothing. You sure? Yeah, yeah, it doesn't mean anything. Hey, you know, you get a little friendly, you know. Nah, 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 nah. His wife is pregnant with their third kid. Come on. Just the very reason, because you can't be having sex when your wife is pregnant. Telling you, Jerry, I know Noam Layden, right? He's uh, open to, well, let's just say various forms of friendship. He is a proud heterosexual but I really think our news director, Noam Lady, is one who, if given the right opportunity, would experiment and cross the line in a hot tub. Don't you think so, Jerry, that that's a possibility? No. But now, with these criminals, what they should do, put them in the army. Let the army straighten them out. Don't put them in your soft-touch jails or leave them on their own recognizance. No, put them in the army. That's where they should be put. So let us drill sergeant straighten them out. Hey guys, today is opening day. As a good old Mets fan, I know you guys aren't going to be playing until April 6th back home, but in good old fashion, let's go Mets! Imagine if he were in your hot tub, George Santos, huh? Anyway, stay on the line, Jerry. We need to get that information as I promote Anthony uh, Morante to... uh, Kick Mike Sano to the curb as the next mayor of the city of Yonkers to stop the Sano corruption machine. I'll be back with all of you with uh, left versus right Anthony Weiner at three. And then we do it all over again, 12 to six.